Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits, One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles and a stripper boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the founder and president of the Fred Durst Fan Club, and a man who still hasn't been to one of my house parties. <laughs> All over at Human. Will, how are you doing? I'm not, I'm not having that. Not having that at all. <laughs> not, not, not accepting that. No? <laughs> no, no, funnily enough. I'm not even being... though even though you try, even though you've just admitted to me off air you're trying to get away from dressing like Fred Durst. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I said. I, my my collection of, of fifty two red new era caps, strictly in the backwards yeah. formation, uh, having to go down the charity <laughs> shop. <laughs> no question, kind of really this week, but it's dominating the world. We've got to quickly talk about it, I think. Are you concerned at all about coronavirus, or do you think it's just all kind of a bit scaremongery, and it's the press with something to talk about? Well, I, I hate to break down, but you're speaking to a, a, a verified swine flu survivor, so um, no, no. I, I, could, <laughs> I could care less about the coronavirus. Bring it on, mate. I think this is going to be one of those things where we t- we tell our kids, "Oh, you weren't you weren't there for the bird flu of 2011. That was a crazy time. Let me tell you." This is the thing, like you can't get too scared about it because what does that fucking help? It's not really. I know, and there's nothing you can really do that you that you shouldn't have been doing anyway. This whole thing of oh, wash wash your hands. Like yeah, you should have been washing your bloody hands anyway. Don't <laughs> don't pick your nose and eat it. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't scrape the gum off the bottom of your shoe and then start chewing it and then spit it into your missus's mouth. Yeah, you probably shouldn't have been doing that anyway. It's what it is. Until you get to the point of having to go on quarantine and stuff like that, and you have to stop going to work and shit. I was thinking, because the government have now said, don't they, that you're allowed to self-quarantine, essentially, if you think you've got it. What's just stopping me ringing up my boss tomorrow? I'm sort of saying, I think I'm out of coronavirus. I'm not coming in for two weeks. I'll, uh, I'll see you later. And then and then just before you sign off, just go <coughs> like that, just to make sure that she knows you've got a cough. And, and even then, it's just, oh, I think. So you come back after two weeks. You must say, oh, well, did, did you yeah. have it? Nah, nah, it turns out I was wrong, luckily. Never, yeah, it turns never, out I was fine. Thank God. you too sure, though, can you? Yeah, I don't know. Are you, are you worried? Are you shaking in your boots? No, because it's it seemed like the 90% of the majority of people who've died are either Chinese or over 70 with a pre-existing health condition, which is what the normal flu, the pre-existing health condition. If you've got, if you're 85 and you've got a history of illness or something and you get the flu, you might be fucked. I mean, that's just the way the flu works. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible virus, the normal flu. As long as you take the necessary precautions, which is essentially don't be a dirty fucking scrote, you'll be fine. Well, until there's something to worry about, there's nothing to worry about, is there? Yeah. Once I'm, once I, if I'm like walking my daughter to school and like one of the parents in front of me just drops down on the floor and starts bleeding from the eyes, then I'll panic. Then I'll be like, oh shit, okay, this might be some, this might be something. That's that's the problem with like bird flu and swine flu, coronavirus, foot and mouth. Back in the day, none of them were particularly glamorous, are they? It's not like. <laughs> Like this 28 days later kind of disease where, yeah, you, like you say, you're bleeding from the eyes, you're turning grey, your veins are capitulating and popping and shit. It's all just, I'll oh, get a dicky tum and then die. You're hoping, it seems like you're hoping for some kind of World War Z scenario or something like that. I mean, I haven't seen it, but yeah, sure. Just hordes of zombies trying to climb up each other to eat people, that kind just of thing. Something a bit more cinematic, really. Is that too much to yeah. ask for? Yeah, these people just, you know just lying in a hospital bed and then like slowly passing away i mean come on where's your sense of adventure you know at least with the chernobyl stuff 
Yeah, it was lying in a hospital and then dying eventually, but at least she melted into mush. Turned into like reverse paper mache. You know the press like though? They just love it, don't they? They just like they must be salivating. So bloody sick of people talking about it. (laughs) And just the general Obviously, it's important to talk about it in like a, a news cycle kind of way, but your average office bod talking about like, oh, I'm worried about coronavirus or like somebody coughs. Like, hope, hope you haven't got coronavirus. You're an idiot. <laughs> the message is, people, you know, just be just be generally clean and tidy. I think you'll be okay. Wash your hands and that kind of thing. I will say, don't sneeze into your hand either. Sneeze If you're going to sneeze, you've got no tissue. Sneeze into the crook of your arm. That's what I've done for years. Yeah, into your, into your shoulder. That's the way to do it. Yeah. After I went on a uh, an infection control meeting in about 2012. Got stuck with you. It's one of the one of the few courses I've been on with work that's actually taught me something. <laughs> the, the other bit of advice I'd give to the general public is any hygiene lessons you're taking from this, if it, if it does turn out to be a deviation from the norm for you, please stick with it for the sake yeah. of everybody else, you gross cretin. <laughs> I think we've alienated enough people there, haven't we? Should we start the show? Yeah, just about before before we get any uh, before we go big in China. It is that time of the week. It is the smooth recap. Now and again we get some stats that are quite surprising. And they usually come from Columbus. And it's usually their D-men as well. And here's another one. Zach Kerensky this week became the first Columbus D-man in history to score 20 goals in a season. Max Pacioretty has firmly established himself as the fourth emergency service after demonstrating life-saving technique during a collision with LA's Blake Lizotte. Patchy has acted quickly by using his arm to protect Lizotte's head from hitting the ice after the two collided in the slot. The Godzillas of recent hockey memory need to look out, because the King Ghidorah management team in Philly are on a roll. They've won seven straight and have taken over second place in the Metropolitan Division. The Arizona Coyotes have done a superb job in tanking their own points percentage. The club have nosedived from a 0.611% rate to a meagre 0.433 since December 16th, which ranks for fifth worst in the league. That date's significance? Why, it's the day they traded for Taylor Hall, of course. For the first time since January 2012, the Pittsburgh Penguins lose six straight. To be fair, though, It is tough when they've had to play such contenders in that run as the Buffalo Sabres, the LA Kings, the Anaheim Ducks and the San Jose Sharks. The Colorado Avalanche need to calm the hell down, with both Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr being caught breaking ankles this past week. How are these players meant to run away from coronavirus when they've been deked out of their shoes? Alex Ovechkin, as discussed last week, is potent in the bedroom but his wife should be careful. 50.6% of Ovi's goals have come on the road, clearly showing he's very good at playing away from home. 
Wednesday night marked the first time since the 1996-97 season a Sharks versus Maple Leafs game didn't feature Patrick Marlowe. And people say there isn't enough variety in this league. Bobby motherfucking Ryan with a motherfucking hat trick. You beauty. I raise a green tea to you, sir. And finally, Jonathan Taves has become the first player in NHL history to score 50 goals in the shootout. Gary Bettman was absolutely relieved to finally have justification for his inclusion in the 100 greatest players list. And that was your smooth recap. Quick mention for Bobby Ryan. We sometimes talk about hockey gods and that maybe if God is up there, he might be a hockey fan because scoring a hat-trick in his first game back is unbelievable. Now it's centre to Ryan, he shoots, he scores! And here's Bobby Ryan and around the net, makes such a good, smart shot. Up foot to stick and then by Thatcher Demko and you can hear the crowd hollering, Bobby, Bobby is... Just below the goal line, gave it away, Zaitsev long shot, tipped in, Bobby Ryan. Didn't sell it for the icing and an empty net, Patrick for Ryan. Oh, Bobby Ryan, an emotional comeback. Bobby, I'd just like to get your emotion after this night. Kind of all over. Uh, it was a great night. I, you can't write it any better. And, uh, you know, a hat trick's great, but we won on home ice. And, uh, you know, I contributed. It was just a great night. I'm glad my wife was here. I'm glad, I'm glad I was able to do it at home. We have a shot of her at the end watching you as the first star comes out. And I appreciate this, how tough this is. I guess, can you take me through just this game of of what it means to both of you and your family. Uh, yeah, it's been a long hundred days, um, you know, and, and a lot of that unfortunately fell to her and she, she carried the slack. She um, allowed me to go away and, and address things. And, um, you know, if she hadn't helped me recognize it, then, then I don't know where I'd be. The, the hockey gods are clearly straight edge. That's all we know. <laughs> Damn, I should be a believer. Yeah, if only, if only. Yeah, that's just in- incredible, isn't it? It's just, it was like, um, wasn't it Brian Boyle? And they had like, it was Cancer Awareness Night or something, and he scored a hat trick. Yeah, and I think it was like I'm his sure first that... game back, I want to say. I, yeah. I, might be, I might be making that up, but. You just sometimes think, hmm, is there something going on here that I'm not aware of? Some kind of greater thing? I don't know. It's very weird sometimes. I try really hard to not think about it for too long. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> Me too. That's. That's too much effort yeah. to believe in something like that. All right. Who have you got winning the cup? I, I'm going digital with my winner this week. I've got Ooh. user the bootleg saint from Reddit who put up a post this week about well, explaining and evidencing how the teams who made a trade with the devils around the deadline all have a losing record since. No. Yep. So you got Oh that's um, fabulous. The Islanders are two four and one since picking up Andy Green. The the Lightning are one four and oh since picking up Blake Coleman. The Sabres are unsurprisingly O four and oh since picking up Wayne Simmons. <laughs> Vancouver are one three and oh since picking up Louis Deming. Somehow, even though he hasn't played for him, Carolina are 0 two and one after getting Sammy Vatanen. So that's a combined four seventeen and two since all these teams <laughs> picked up a player from the Devils. That is amazing. Shout out to that person again. The bootleg saint. That's amazing work. Who would have thought that pillaging players from 
one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> they have such a negative effect on your record. As I said maybe a couple of months ago, maybe the worst team in the league. Because they actually were trying this year. <laughs> they were actually trying. I don't know. Are they really worse than Detroit, though? Yeah, because Detroit aren't trying. Detroit are doing what they want to do. They they want to be at the bottom. They want to get... Hopefully, they want to get a Lafreniere or a Byfield, you know, a cornerstone piece to kind of build on. That, that You know, that's fine. But at the start of the season, we were talking about the Devils as, okay, maybe they can do something. And they have been atrocious. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah, same with the, all the teams down there. Same with LA and, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, they were... Ottawa... No one expected him to do anything anyway. But people were talking up the devils and us probably included. And yeah, they've just been terrible. There's a there's another team down that end of the of the standings is a bit like the devils as well. Who um who who was it who was expected to be good this year and have completely bottomed out? Would it be a a team know. who maybe plays in teal? Oh, who's who's to say? Who is to say? We I suppose we'll never know. Do you know what? This is going to turn into a bit of a, a back pattern episode because we did we did pit the sharks, didn't we? As a, a little outside struggler, we weren't keen, were we? No, no. Well, when you're investing that much money in that many broken toys, you're probably not going to end up doing very well. Yeah. <laughs> broken toys. <laughs> Here's another back pat. Winning the cup. My outside shot at the start of the season was the Philadelphia Flyers. Boy, oh boy, they are surging right now. They are surging. Seven yeah. straight wins. I watched the Rangers game on. Saturday or Sunday, manhandled the Rangers. They were so good as well. Like the like the Flyers were so good. They had consecutive two minute minors to kill. Not it was like literally they killed the, they killed the two minutes, and then there was another penalty straight away. Killed that two minutes. Like I mean, brilliantly. The Rangers hardly had a chance. And then immediately after that, the Flyers go on a power play and score after like five seconds. I was like, ooh, this is a. This is a sign of a good team. This is a sign of a good team. And then they beat down the Caps last night to move within one point of them for first in the Metro. Unbelievable. I, I don't like this, and I think I probably would have said when you picked them at the beginning of the year, but you, you're effectively jumping on my pick from last year. You're the sort of person... <laughs> it doesn't that, work like that. It definitely does. You can't. It definitely no, does. No, it doesn't. You, you're sitting in a casino, you're watching someone smash a roulette, and they're, they're no, not the roulette, the slot machines... Slot machines. It's going, it just never pays out. And you're like, well, I'll have a little go after they're gone. Off they go, you get the jackpot and you're a prick. (laughs) That's exactly what's happening here. I mean, I can't argue the second part of that statement. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) The the, the last line is absolutely true, how I got there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but how you got there, I'm not happy with that. So all all my working is wrong, but the answer's right. Yeah, show me, show me you're working out, which I will mark you down for, but you've got the correct answer. So, well done. <laughs> well done. And do you know what it is as well? The Flyers don't have a star either, really. I mean, Travis, Travis Konechny is having an amazing season, but it's a lot of wins by committee. You know, Cart Hart's playing well. Brian Elliott's doing his job when he needs to do his job. And they've, the most, they've got the most goals combined scored by D-men this year of any team, which that's, is, that's there you crazy. go. That's what you need, isn't it? Everyone, it everyone's chipping they... in. Considering who they picked up in the off-season on D, that's surprising. But I'd, I'd argue they definitely do have star-level players. Sean Couturier, at the very least. Well, that was the thing that we said at the start of the season, wasn't it? That the players are all there. They have a very good team. It was the, the kind of like, we think, like, why did Ron Hextall get fired? We thought it was a pretty, it doesn't seem right. It's It kind of seems a bit mean. They're right there. They just needed a coach who could kind of get them, well, 
maybe three coaches to kind of get them over, you know, to get them over that kind of point and they're doing it. And also, if you're not into the idea of gritty lifting the Stanley Cup, I fucking don't know what to tell you. This is the wrong sport for you. <laughs> gritty gets it before Claude Giroud. He goes up to accept <laughs> it from Batman. <laughs> I'm telling you, if they win the Stanley Cup, he's in that line to get it. I'm telling you, oh, he better be. He's running Wouldn't it be Batman amazing? Punching him in the back of the head, then stealing it. <laughs> He just goes and belly bounces him or something. Who's getting relegated? Who's getting relegated? The St. Louis Blues are getting relegated, for fuck's sakes. Un- unacceptable behaviour. Unacceptable conduct from their... I don't know who, who runs their, their in-arena events or their promotion nights or whatever it might be. Their lack of a pride night or their complete weaseling out of a pride night is disgraceful. You'd never catch them doing it for military appreciation, right, would you? No, not at all. Not at all. Do you know what? We're going to discuss this later on in the news, but fuck it, let's do it now. Squeeze it's, it in. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good old-fashioned, hey, turns out this hockey club is boneheaded. Let's have one of those chats. I haven't done that for a while. Hockey's for Everyone Night is coming to St. Louis. You can join the Blues at a watch party to celebrate <laughs> diversity, and you'll get to watch the players who celebrate diversity on a big screen. One home game, that's, that's all they needed, and they can't, they can't even fucking do that. It's ridiculous. Did you see? Have you seen some of the other theme nights they've had this year? Oh, I did have a look, but nothing, nothing <laughs> resided. Fucking... You know, stuck with me out of the out of the ordinary. Really? So aside from Star Wars night, yep, reasonable, reasonable teacher appreciation night. <laughs> this is the thing. Like that, most of these nights should exist anyway. Like teacher appreciation yeah. night. Yeah, fully up for that. Teachers definitely don't get enough appreciation. There should be, there should, I don't know if there is, but there should be a teacher appreciation day every year. Because, I thought, yeah, it's one of those jobs where if you do it right, nobody gives a shit. You make one mistake and you're just fucking tarred and feathered, aren't you? Cool, you throw one chair at a, at a year eight pupil and it's fucking <laughs> over for you. You give one kid a taste at the back of your hand and, you know, all hell just breaks loose. It's ridiculous, isn't it? PC oh, it's there. such a horrible job. It's such a horrible job. Oh, God, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. You have these kids for usually in this country, if you're at primary school, especially primary school kids, you have these kids for a year. You put all your effort and hard work into them and then they just disappear, never to be seen again. And, and you, go back, you go back to square one with the same <laughs> yeah. age kids. Who with a whole new set of kids again. You've got to start trained. all over again. It's ridiculous. God, mate, like power to the primary school teachers. I think I'd rather die. Bloody hell. I'd rather they work such long. Death. They work... They work sneakily long hours as well. It's not just... Because I'm sure the image is... I thought the same before I had a kid. I was just... Fucking teachers, what are you talking about? Turn up at nine, go home at three. You have 13 weeks off a year. Why Why would... What's not to love? How is that not amazing? Yeah. (laughs) Fucking hell. Acting like they're down the mines. Fucking fucking hour for dinner. What do you even do? Boy, there's often fucking Father Christmas teachers do. And then... Some morning, I'll have to take my daughter to school. Super, if I've got to be in work super early or something, I'll take my daughter to, into breakfast club and it's like half past seven. And then after school club finishes at six and some teachers are there all day and then they've got to go home and do marking. And you just think, why? Why? And like you say, there's no appreciation for it. If, if you're a teacher, well, tough. That's your job. Get on with it. God, it's so hard. But then there is 13 weeks worth of holidays. <laughs> yeah, but think of this as well. You can't have sneaky holidays in the school term. So your holidays cost a fortune as well. Taking your kids on holiday in August is so expensive. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, but you've still got you've still got six solid weeks. I don't know. Not not to say that two just don't deserve that time off. But it's hard not to look at that. Six you're weeks. now morphing you're now morphing into the man you were just mocking. <laughs> you know what? I'm 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 not I'm not annoyed at St. Louis and not having a proper hockey for everyone. Right? I'm annoyed at for having a teacher appreciation night. That's the biggest story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this is what we found out here, isn't it? Fuck them teachers. Is it you secretly hate the teachers? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the St. Louis Blues also had 90s night. Again. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, you know, we don't celebrate three decades ago enough, do we? So. No, well, I'm sure it's nice for you to think back to your 20s, though, isn't it? <laughs> I knew that was coming then. I knew that was coming. Just don't, don't, mention, don't mention the years. It's just low hanging fruit. And they also had Scouts Night as well. Not not Scout Leader Appreciation Night. No, just Scouts. Back, just back Scouts Night. Catholic Priest Appreciation Night. <laughs> Fucking you know, hell. Are you really going to go there? Jesus Christ. I haven't, I haven't said anything. Again, you don't need to. It's, not, it's the inference. It's not the problem with the nights that they have had, apart from Military Appreciation Night and Law Enforcement Appreciation Night. It's the problem with... The lack of the... It's not even like they haven't done a Pride Night. They've copped out on hockeys for everyone. So not only do they yeah. hate the LGBTQA plus community, they hate visible minorities, they hate disabled <laughs> people, they hate women. Just like anyone. And, and to be right, wait, now hang on though, Spin Zone, oh, to yeah, be they fair, pink and rink. They're, not, they're not discriminating against a certain group. So give them some credit. I mean, they're just—it's a full-on blanket discrimination. So I mean, that's a good—you know—well done. Apart from well done to them. Apart from the straight white males. You know what they've done, don't you? It's a masterstroke by making it clear that hockey's not for everyone. They're bringing everyone together. It's a genius double bluff. That's what it is. All jokes aside, I am really glad that this has happened because I'm hoping. <laughs> that All jokes it. aside, he says. <laughs> I'm glad that they haven't done this. I think they're right. I hope that it will have positive outcomes in that the severe backlash that the Blues are getting from this will hopefully kick the rest of the league in the arse to be like, all right, we need to make at least some modicum of effort next season. Oh, yeah, did you see what the Hurricanes did? It was really fucking cool. They put up the the whole of PNC Arena was like rainbowed. It looked amazing. It looked so cool. And now getting a huge backlash from this, which they should. And did you see why they actually did it? Like why no. the actual reason was they're not doing it? Why why would I look into the facts around a thing before I have a, a strong opinion on it, Dan? Who who does that? That's a fair point. I mean, I guess that is my that's my part of the show. I suppose I'm re, I'm R and D on this show. <laughs> I'm, I'm the research and development branch pure, of this pure show. Take machine over here. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it was apparently because season ticket holders were complaining oh, yeah. that all these people are coming to our games and we've paid for these tickets and why can't we get into the games and blah 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 here's the thing are the defending Stanley Cup champions so hard up for money that they don't have some season ticket holders miss one game go on sorry their argument was that they would not be able to attend the game because it's a hockey's for everyone right I read it as there's going to be other people who are kind of allocated some tickets in, in place of a season ticket holder to show that hockey is for everyone you're like, okay, like, you know, we're going to put some tickets on general sale, come and get your tickets kind of thing, you know, because we want to kind of everyone to come along. Yeah. So that was kind of, I mean, that might be wrong, but that's kind of how I read it. Surely you get um, some sort of payoff from it anyway, wouldn't you? 
I don't know though. If you've got a season, right? Here's the thing: if there's a, if you've got a season ticket for forty-one games and you're going to miss one game, if you're the kind of fan who's going to, in like, and not even a crucial point. Even if it was the playoffs, you could still be a bit like, all right, mate, you give us a fucking shit. It's a game of hockey. You can miss one game of hockey. But if it's the playoffs, you might have a complaint like, well, I've paid a lot for these tickets. It's an important game. Whatever. It's, maybe. It's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only way the Blues can salvage this situation. Game seven, Stanley Cup final. That's it. It's tonight. We're doing it tonight. If you're the kind of fan who complains to the Blues that you're, you know, you're going to miss one game from your season ticket, wouldn't the Blues just be like, you know what, mate? Fuck off. Who gives a shit? We've got 10,000 people who want your ticket. You don't want to come? Don't come. Hand your ticket back in, you fucking moron. Yeah, that's the thing, especially as these are the, these people are complaining about the reason they're having to potentially give up a ticket shows that, yeah. like, you clearly don't believe in the cause anyway. Like, if this was the Panthers or the Sens, and they're trying to just get as many people into that building as possible, and they're terrified of season ticket holders leaving... I could almost see like where they'd be like, oh shit, we can't piss off even more of the season ticket holders. We better keep to, some of them. They wouldn't have to take any tickets away from the season ticket holders. <laughs> it's so true. But like the defending Stanley Cup champions, I mean, that place should be full every night anyway, you know, watching this amazing team, but it's just fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Pissed just goes to show, as always, just goes to show. I just hope it, as, as of anything we ever talk about, I hope it leads to a better future. I hope, yeah, and I hope at least to them getting pilloried more in the uh, in the post online and everything, because that'd be great. Yeah, just keep keep hammering on them till to the end of time. I'm going to relegate Colin Campbell. As yeah. oh, oh, I'm trying to remember what this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, uh, as he rang Don Waddell in the second intermission of the e-bug game and said, is there any chance Pete Mraz called James Remick could come back in? Which kind of meant, like Don Waddell, you know, any chance you could put one of your injured guys back in there? Because this could be a bit embarrassing, couldn't it, really? And he said, uh, and I quote, as it turned out, it was a good human interest story and it worked out. Campbell was worried that Ayers was going to get lit up and it was going to be like 15-3 or 15-4 or something. But if you're asking a team if either of your goalies that have been injured can come back in shows two signs of stupidity. One, either you're pressuring a team to put in an injured goalie just to risk embarrassment of that team or, stupid than that, one of the goalies could have come back in, but Don Waddell or Rod Brindamore just went, fuck it, let's go with the e-bug and see what happens. I mean, did, did Colin Campbell he's, not he's think that if the goalie could have come back in, he would have come back in? We, we're going with a hot hand. David Ayres is doing really well. <laughs> yeah. We're still winning by one. I'm sure we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll be fine. To, I mean, fucking hell. To be fair to Colin Campbell, I think I, I, think I see the real reason why he wanted them to try and get one of their NHL goalies back between the pipes. Go on. He had money on the game, obviously. He had money on the game. Oh, probably. Yeah, good good point. Good that's, point. That's it. How why else would he why else would he be so interested and so concerned about the, the Hurricanes potentially losing that game unless he had a he had a fat G on the on the Hurricanes win. He's watching. He's watching his Bet Three Six Five app, and it just says like Rima injured. He's like, oh for fuck's sake, Mrazic injured. Oh no! <laughs> Fucking Ray Winston's head just pops up. Oh, you fucked it this time, Colin, haven't you? He's on the phone to Batman. Should I cash out? What should I do? What do you think? <laughs> What's the no. payback on the cash out? Two hundred no, quid. Got, no, I'll ride got it the out. Lightning on your on your acker, and Tommy uh, <laughs> yeah. Ryan's got his hat trick, and you put money on that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll work out. Uh, all, all, this all is going to be so lost to, on our north. 
I don't know, absolutely. Well, I was just going to say, when when the fun stops, stop, Colin. And I did like, uh, I like the last four lines of his statement. And it worked out. I think, and it worked out, should be the NHL's motto, shouldn't it? Because that's just all it ever is. We, t- we tried our hardest for it to not work. Yeah. And murder. Yeah, whatever whatever we try to do, it just, it worked out. We seem to be okay in the end. Aren't we lucky? I don't know if I'd ever describe the NHL as lucky, but in, in a lot of circumstances, they kind of are. I know, I know, I know. It's that thing we've said before, like, it's a good job, it's kind of a good job that nobody really pays attention to hockey. Because if they did, I mean, you'd be, you'd be writing articles every single day. Just about the but, nonsense that goes on in this in this league. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, let me start as a scratch as you got. Uh, I've got two of each, but my two starters have already been touched on. Okay, I've got four and two. Oh, nice. So, do you want to hit me with a couple? Should we go two, two? Yeah, two? I'll start with my uh, I'll start with my two non hockey starters first. My first starter is Eric Dyer, Tottenham no. Hotspur footballer. I don't know if you saw this last night. Did you see this last night, Will? The FA Cup game against Norwich? I didn't even know, which I probably should have, as it's gone. Okay, okay. Tottenham lose the game on penalties, FA Cup game. They lose the game on pens, which I'm sure you're happy about, actually. Absolutely. But, Love a good penalty yeah. shootout. Eric Dyer's brother and some members of his family were watching the game, obviously with the Spurs fans. And at the end of the game, Eric Dyer's kind of waving up to his brother. Then it looks like his brother's being harassed or sort of getting involved with something. So Dyer saw this, oh, yes. maybe thought his brother was in trouble, and takes off into the stands a la Mike Milbury. Shoot, <laughs> and he is fucking hand. he is fucking leaping over stairs, past supporters and everything. And he goes for this dude in the stands. And like Eric Dyer is just in with the fans, mouthing off and everything. Great. Was, was his brother actually getting banged out or oh, it's kind of a bit mixed at the moment. It sounded first like a fan was racially abusing Gelson Fernandez. But that was quickly shot down by a few people. So I don't think that's the case. I think if that was the case, it would have come out very quickly. Mm. Then it turned, then it kind of morphed into, it sounded like his brother was kind of being harassed because Tottenham had lost and he's Eric Dyer's brother. So they were giving him shit. And then it now was kind of morphed into, some people were saying Eric Dyer's brother and this other guy were just kind of going at each other. Like, but neither of them kind of started it. It just kind of escalated. But then it looked like Eric Dyer thought his brother was in trouble, so just kind of beelined for the you know for the stands and was up up in the in between the fans. Yeah, like from from what fifty sixty yards, he sees a little bit of a commotion and just yeah. thinks, right, I better better get involved. I'm all I'm all for this. I'm all for this. I was going to ask you a question and then just realised it. I was going to say if you if you saw your brother or sister and then thought. We still don't know each other well enough to know if you're... I don't know if you're a brother or sister or not. Uh, I've got one of each. <laughs> I never knew that. You would have, uh, would have been lucky. My, my sister is at the wedding. How could you Was she? Not, how could you have not guessed it? Well, she's like you. I was looking for a tall, ugly, stupid-looking girl, but... Hey. 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 Well, we're not blood mates, so uh, there you go. Ah, there you there, go, then. There you go, there you go. Here's the thing, though, right? So if you see... If you're, if you're, you're playing a game of footy... You see yeah. your brother or your sister in the crowd. You think there's trouble. Are you running up there or not? Personally, for my personal situation, probably not. Shout out to all the brother and sister. <laughs> yeah, you probably should, shouldn't you? Sorry, mate, getting, getting banged out. You'd probably run out, didn't you? Yeah, I would. I think I would. Because I'd be thinking, would. I'd be concerned. Like, okay, this might, be, this might be kind of turning ugly or something. I don't know. That, that said, Dan, I've never played in either the Premier League or the FA Cup. So I don't quite know my sort of mindset while I'm on that sort of pitch. Mm. If you and I were talking about 
playing down the park on a Sunday morning where you're not 50 yards and, and 30 rows between you and your brother or sister or whatever. It's 10 feet and they're starting off the linesman. <laughs> Fair play though. I like, yeah, I like this. Eric Dyer going into the fans. Great stuff. Uh, and unfortunately, my next starter, it, it, there's going to be a little bit of dad chat here. I apologize. It's going to be uh, two dads talking. You know what we need? We need a dad alarm of some kind so we can <laughs> like warn people. No dad section. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the blurb of the show between yeah. 16 and 24 minutes is pure dad chat. <laughs> pure dad chat. I've got to shout out and I've got to start Jeff, who does all the mechanics on mine and my wife's car. Dude's an f- absolute fucking hero. My wife's car was due at MOT. And I don't know if they have MOTs in North America, but it's basically it's yearly heard. service. No, but it's, uh, it's what? MOT's not even a service, though, is it? No, but it's that, that, but that's the best way to explain it, isn't it? It's like it's, to somebody, if they don't have MOTs, and I don't know if they do or not in North America, I, I but an MOT is basically it's car's yearly service. But it's like a, it's like a yearly checkup. Yeah, to make sure the car's like roadworthy, basically. Yeah, just making sure that everything's tickety-boo. Yeah. Anyway... My wife needed, a, like, my wife's car needed a ton of, I was going to say my wife needed a load of work. Christ. <laughs> Her car needed a load of work. Oh, God, we're just insulting all our family members today, aren't we? Why not? Let's just keep going. Yeah. She needed four brand new tyres, two new sets of brake pads, an oil change, a new back windscreen wiper, and she had to pay for the service, and the MOT, and the labour as well. And now, my sister-in-law works at a garage and gets a massive discount. And we said to her, here's what's going to happen. What would you charge for this? And even though she works at a garage and gets a massive discount, Jeff, my mechanic, was still cheaper than that. So shout out to my guy, Jeff. Dude's a hero. Dude's an absolute hero. I said to my dad, I said, when Jeff dies, I'm not kidding, there's going to be about 5,000 men at his funeral crying because they're like, oh my God, what to pay full price? What are we going to do? He's like, the guy saved me thousands over the years. Why is he so cheap though? It's labor. He charges like forty percent, what whatever else charges. So when he when he puts stuff and he just gets it done, I mean, I guarantee you, all that stuff needed doing, he probably would have done it in about an hour. He's like he's a car savant. He knows everything about all cars. Just cracks on. Yeah, there's nothing he can't fix. He's been doing it since he was about twelve, and he's now like fifty. So he's he, that's what his life is just fixing cars, and he just knows how to do it. And he just kind of, I think he charges like fifteen pound an hour or something. Where like most mechanics at garages charge like fifty five, sixty quid an hour, don't they? It's ridiculous. But that's yeah, why crazy. he's so cheap. Yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, what have you got? I've got my first one's going to be Big Boy Ryan for his uh, for his hat trick on his first game back. So that that is what it is. And my other one was going to be the Canes for their Pride Night because that is that is going over and above. I'll tell you that. This, and that's what you need, isn't it? You need teams to just. I just don't know. I don't know why teams are still... Even... I've said this before. Even selfishly, if you're... Christ, this is going to sound terrible as I start it, but please bear with me, people. Even if you're running that department and you're a racist or a homophobe or fucking... You, you know, you hate... Well, you know, like... Yeah, you hate non-straight sort of. white men. Yeah. Surely you can see the bigger picture here that just selfishly, just do it to make sure that nothing's shitty and you don't get loads of shitty press for your team. And isn't that the sensible thing to do? Gay people's money spends just as well as straight people's money does. Oh, yeah, I don't. Fuck, yeah. It's so dumb. What we want to do, right, here's my business model. We're going to start... Oh, here we go. We're going to start up a company, yeah, and we're going to alienate potentially 70% of our market straight away. But I just... Love it, love it, yeah. Deliberately not acknowledging them 
as human beings. Brilliant. And then we're going to wonder why our our sort of industry as a whole isn't catching up with with our competitors. Mr. Everett, I want to say congratulations. You've 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 won the job of Blue's PR person. So you can start on Monday. That's great. <laughs> I'll take ten percent of the business for all of the money. <laughs> I fucking hate the dragons. Fucking do, twat. Do you really? Yeah, I do. What about Peter Jones? Bunch of I like Peter Jones. Fucking self-righteous fucking robbery that's all it is yeah but that's that's the point of the show that's like like saying you you hate go on <laughs> you hate who's who's the geezer who did the crystal crystal maze it's gonna say the christmas maze richard o'brien richard o'brien or yeah, the new like, one it's like saying you hate no not richard o'brien um it's like saying you hate richard o'brien for being being a smart git that's the that's the point <laughs> that's so different <laughs> It's exactly the same. They're playing characters. <laughs> you know you know that business you sold your fucking house to pay for that like maybe or maybe not get off the ground and do something? I want half of it now. <laughs> Compared to three minutes, automatic locking. Be careful. Yeah, but these, these people yeah, aren't being held at gunpoint to go on the fucking on Dragon's Ten. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't like the people either, Will. <laughs> I've been kidnapped. Like, it's the whole process I don't like. <laughs> As you get to the top of stairs, pitch it or your family's dead. Fucking dead. If Deborah Maiden doesn't get involved, your wife's fucking gone. (laughs) Every time a dragon says no, we're gonna cut off a finger. (laughs) (laughs) He's being waterboarded while he's trying to pitch his fucking personal fitness app. Christ almighty. When do we get to this? <laughs> now that you mention it, I can see why you hate the dragons. It's quite unreasonable yeah, 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 behaviour. Yeah. That's it's a true. preach of the Geneva game. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out the dragons are even above the Geneva Convention. Oh, dear me. Because they, they bought 20% of it. Um, <laughs> 250 grand. But yeah, I, I like that the hurricanes have gone over and above because it doesn't... <laughs> same way the man has crossed nothing. Just bringing it, by the way, sorry. Just going from Peter Jones waterboarding some poor sucker trying to sell some fucking pasta sauce back to the Hurricanes. <laughs> oh dear. Well, Duncan Ballard's screaming, What's your annual turnover? <laughs> How much is that? It's is that net or gross? What's the net? What you fucking, fucking pansy. Tell me your five year plan, you fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> oh god jeez louise we need, to, we need warnings for dad talk and british talk we do need warnings for dad talk and british talk yeah oh, just geez, yeah sorry dragon's den is shark tank in north america i think it's Fucking called shark. i know it's called yeah, shark tank in america I, I don't know what it's like I'd imagine that's the it's thing the same, fuck, it's the same yeah it's the same Fucking it's the same but, oh god you just call it dragon's den still i don't know i don't know I'm not getting to the minutiae of fucking TV rights and all that kind of thing. I don't know what goes on, do I? That's anyway. Who's to say? <coughs> yeah, Kane's cool. God Good. almighty. Who who else is uh, is in your starting lineup, Dan? So I've got two more starters, uh, both hockey-related. I'm going to start the GMs, for once, for letting cooler heads prevail by keeping the evil grueling as it is now, which is great. Is that is that official or is that just gossip at this point? Yeah, no, no, that's that's all. Yeah, I said it's all done. I mean, to be, yeah, it's happened twice in like 6,200 games or something ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, why not? It's it's fine. 
I won't say number one either though, because we've got a guest coming up in the show a bit later, Paul Campbell, and he and I discussed it. So, but yeah, I, this was a this was a good idea. Excellent. And I'm going to start Mitch Marner from uh, my Toronto Maple Leafs, as I said last week. See his goal against the Sharks. Oh, what where he uh, where he danced through somebody and oh, oh my god. Hands it off, Rosen from Marner. Here comes Matthews. Austin Matthews to Mitch Marner. Great play, great goal. Mitch Marner, highlight real material. And some Marner magic ties the game at two. Do you know what? This might be a bit of a hot take, but I prefer that goal to every single through the legs goal I've seen this year so far. God, yeah, I don't know. You don't see many goals where... Well, you do, but there's something about somebody getting skinned, isn't there? Yeah, and for him to do it in such a tight space and still get the shot off as he's going down to his knees, I mean, that is supreme skill, supreme skill. Beautiful. And I'm just kind of, to be fair now, for me, through the legs goals are just a bit passe. I'm kind of sick of them. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's done to death, really, aren't they? It's like last season when players kept smashing the puck out of the air into the net. At some point, I was like, all right, can we have something else? I'm that's, bored that's now. Enough. That's enough, everyone. Who so, can't do this at this point? On right. the subject of Deeks, have you seen the Kirby Dak? Deke that's been doing doing rounds. <laughs> Who did I, oh, mate? That's just that's just ridiculous. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> Absolutely offensive, mate. Offensive. That fucking fishy yeah, shit. The past couple of weeks, I mean, plenty of broken ankles around, didn't there? It seems to be a, a more common thing these days. Everyone's just getting a bit bit cockier, a bit more comfortable. That's true. You know what we need, don't you, to sort out these cocky, confident players? We need a, a Ryan Reeves. T- no, no, let's not do it. Let's not do it. <laughs> Scott Stevens back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> just need Revo coming in from the blind side. That's what we need. I'll soon sort them out. Fucking hell, well, right. Tom Wilson sounds like he's back back up to his old tricks, doesn't he? It does a little bit. I guess I'm guessing the effects of that last hit from Reeves have worn off, so maybe he needs to uh, pay him a visit again. <laughs> can finally see straight. So it's like, right here we go. <laughs> oh, there's somebody. Back on the side. He's not got the puck. All right, how many scratches you got? Uh, I've got two, and you said you've got two, haven't you? Two. Yeah, you go first. Do yeah, one, 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 one. I'm gonna yeah. scratch. Do you do you follow? Ken Reed of Sportsnet fame on Twitter. I don't think I do. Well, he, he had a bit of a back and forth with David Amber, also of Sportsnet fame, this week, a couple of days ago. Oh, infighting. Love it. They were talking, well, no, not that. No, just a, just a, a, a chat. Uh, and they were talking about hockey cards. And it came to light, it came to my attention at least, that a mint condition, I forget the the rating system, but it got a 10 on the hockey card rating system, so 10 out of 10 for, for yeah. condition. Mint condition, Wayne Gretzky rookie card, sold for, any guesses there? Uh, I, I, there's no point, because I'm either going to say yeah. something stupidly high, like $3 billion, or something stupidly low, like 48 quid. It was $3 billion and 48 quid. No, my God. Actually. Yeah, that's crazy that you've... Uh, You've guessed that. No, it was $465,000 American for a hockey card. Fuck! I'm I'm scratching the absolute loser who paid that for that. (laughs) Collecting collecting hockey cards is really cool. Like, I'm I'm power to people who do it. But if you've got enough money to be dropping 500 grand on a Gretzky card, you're effectively Jeff Bezos in my eyes. Like you're a fucking. Now hang on, hang on for a, now hang on for a second. Hang on for a second. Just let's just say, let's just say you win the Euro Millions right this week, and it's like 120 million quid, right? And there's I don't know Brett Hall's Dallas Stars journey for, jersey from the cup when they win or something when he scores the goal that was in the crease should have been disallowed. Whatever. Say that's selling. Say that's selling, and you can get it for like 150 grand. Wouldn't you get it? 
No, 150 grand is not half a million dollars, though, is it? But you know what I mean, though? 150 grand for a hockey jersey is lunacy. But it means something to you. Wouldn't you get it? Yeah, of course you would. Potentially. I'm assuming I'm assuming the person who's paid 500 grand for this Gretzky card hasn't taken out a loan to get it. I'm assuming they've just got the money. <laughs> like on, they could just get it. He's on the streets. Just him and his, <laughs> his Gretzky card. <laughs> in his tin cup. He's been, he's been busking for like 25 years. He's finally got enough money to get this Gretzky. He hasn't got a house for anything. <laughs> no, he had a house in the family. He had to give it all up for this Gretzky card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's making his money But stuff like that, I would... I mean, yeah. If I had a massive house and... I could have like a kind of hockey room or something with like memorabilia room or something like that that I could show off to people. I'd probably do it. I probably would. If I had the money, I probably would, yeah. Just that amount of money is ridiculous. I get it. I get it. Again, I get it. It's lunacy. It's lunacy that there is, there's cars out there that cost more than my house. That's insane. That's bananas to me. But, you know, people do it, don't they? You know what I want to get? That's something that I hadn't thought about for a long time until I saw a picture of it today. Go on. I want to get a, uh, a game, a match-worn... Patrick Vieira shirt with the the crusty vapor of on the on his chest. <laughs> the Vicks. The Vicks. <laughs> like I, I remember being a kid and and seeing him come out with. The, I know exactly what you're going to say. For, for anyone who doesn't know, for anyone who doesn't know, Patrick Vieira, a legendary Arsenal centre mid, used to have like an entire tub of Vicks cream. Well, they they all had it, didn't they? Like, after, like, a few weeks, they all had it on their tops. That's, that's the thing. Like, and I used to think that, oh, that's just what footballers do. And, like, <laughs> and then you, you grow up a bit, you're like, actually, no, Patrick Vieira's just a freak. <laughs> Imagine playing with just a, a soggy chest. It must have well, the idea was, wasn't it? It made you breathe better because it opened up, like, your nasal passage and all yeah, that. Right. So while you were running, you're breathing in Vicks vapor rub that's smeared all over your chest like some porn film or something. And the idea is it's not meant to, you know, it's meant to make you breathe easier. I, I get it, and it must have worked, I'd imagine. But still, just such a weird thing to see a photo of nowadays. Like, what is this fucking geezer doing with PVA glue all over his tits? <laughs> It was mad. It was so weird. It was so weird. That's my that's my third oh, scratch. Dear. Actually, I'm going to scratch Patrick Vieira for being a fucking freak uh, <laughs> with his Vicks vapor rub. Who who are you going to scratch, Big Dan? I'm going to scratch hockey as a whole yep. because I don't know if you saw this or not, but a basketball conference, uh, I think it's a college conference, has banned the handshake line because of coronavirus. And let me tell you. <laughs> If this coronavirus is still going on in the playoffs and they ban the handshake line, hockey might be finished. Because how else are these boys going to show each other respect? No. I mean, what are we going to do, Will? No handshake line? I mean, come on. <laughs> Cancel the entire thing. I'm, I'm what, not, what are we going to do? I'm not being funny, but if if two teams have just played 60 minutes of basketball against each other, I know. What's, that, what's the handshake going to do? They said they were talking about banning it in footy. Over the weekend, you know, because at the start of the game, at the start of the game in soccer, if you don't know, at the start of the game, all the players line up and then they walk past each other, shake hands, and then the match, you know, they kind of get ready and then the match starts. I and I said I to Sarah, I said, racially abuse you in this game. <laughs> I said to my wife, I said, what do players do during the game when there's a freak of a corner? They're all over each other like a cheap suit. And then they'll gob all over, like they'll just spit all over the floor the whole game. And then they'll screw a goal and go and slide in it. What are we doing? But oh no, don't judge each other's hands. That's crazy. Just mental. It's another, just mad. another way, you know, coronavirus ruining the game, ruining life. Okay, and your final scratch? My final scratch. I'm gonna gonna dip into the archives for this, and it's gonna require a bit of 
uh, interaction from the audience if you Ooh. really want to get the the true horror of this scratch. I'm going to scratch Yuka Eric Eric's. I should have practiced this before. Yuka. Yeah, you should have done. Araxinen. Araxinen's A I R A K S I N E N for his diabolical mask, goalie mask. He was a goalie for Ives in the Finnish league in the 70s. Go and look this up because it's fucking terrifying. Do you do you know the Ives logo off the top of your head, Dan? You know what? I do not. It's the one... Have a little look. You People will probably know it. For anyone who, who's not going to search it right now, because why would you do what some British geezers telling you to do over... Just to, just to help... Just to help our beautiful listeners, can you just spell his name and the team name just so they can find it easier? So it's Yuka, J-U-K-K-A, and then, I'm not going to try again, A-I-R-A-K-S-I-N-E-N, and then Ives is spelled I-L-V-E-S. And it's, so their, their team logo is like a deformed tiger that's almost like a, like a court jester kind of thing. Jesus Christ. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing his mask now? Oh my God. That's, that's horrend- phenomenal. That's proper horror film stuff, isn't it? That is. He looks like Scarecrow from Batman uh, Batman Begins. Yep. Yeah, it sure does. And power to him. That must have been terrifying. I don't fancy taking I love that. against him. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Scary. Yeah, I'm that's scratching great- him for... How'd you find that? Uh, I think it just popped up somewhere, as these things do, when, when you're extremely online. <laughs> when you live on when you live on your phone world, these things just seem to Mate, appear. Don't don't even joke. I feel like this is like maybe a pivotal point of your life where you suddenly started to realise, oh my god, what am I doing? It's it's a hard one though, isn't it? Because you want to keep up to date with anything that might possibly happen. I, I'm way worse now we do this show. I am way worse now. Checking I mean the first thing I do in the morning in the in the morning when I wake up is check Twitter for hockey news. That's the first thing I do. Just a di- like I'm, I'm fucking refreshing Twitter at like half ten in the morning when I know the entirety of the NHL is asleep. <laughs> what are you even doing? I know. I'm like, yeah, same here. I'm, I'm sort of checking it. I get to work and I'm checking it. It's half nine and I'm thinking, what's happened in this between me leaving my house an hour ago and now? <laughs> Nothing. Everyone's asleep. But you never know. Something might. Friedman's got to wake up in the middle of the night to report Gary Bettman's assassin- assassination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. You're scared of missing something. My final scratch. I'm gonna scratch. I'm gonna scratch Michael Kempney, even though I wanted to start him. The Washington Capitals released their player-specific goal songs yesterday, and Mr. Kempney had an interesting choice as he chose Third Eye Blind's classic, absolute classic, "Semi Charm Life." Will, are you familiar with this song? Absolutely not. I don't even know what Third Eye Blind sound like. Okay, I'm gonna. For this, for fear of being hit with some kind of cease and desist or copyright order, it's the one that goes do 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 do. That one, that was that making sense. Oh, is that no? third eye blind? Do, 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 yes. Do, 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 do. Yeah, I didn't. Realize. Yeah, that one. Okay. This song, which I don't know, if Michael Kempney. Not many people do know this, but this song is about the thrills of doing crystal meth. I'd imagine he probably does know. So. If you ever get the chance, folks, because the, the lyrics aren't very clear. It's one of those songs where you kind of sing along, but you don't actually know what you're saying or you don't know the lyrics. So you just kind of sing like whatever you feel like. If you get a chance, look up the lyrics to Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charm Life, because it's 
on on that note, I want to give a shout out to Jakob Verana for picking uh, Simon Says by Farrah Munch, which is an absolute beast. Oh actually. yeah, Quite absolutely best. fantastic song. Best selection out of the entire team. Well done. Alrighty, there we go. Before we move on, we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and soon to be starting our residency in Vegas. And also, if you're in the given mood, a five-star review on iTunes would be grand. Now, there's been plenty to discuss recently in the goalie world, and who better to talk about it than the resident's two bits one book goalie reporting intern, Paul Campbell. So we talked <laughs> e-bugs, Bro- <laughs> we talked e-bugs, Bobrovsky, Carter Hart, and loads of other goalie things. Uh, and a good time as always talking to a fine man. Here he is, Paul Campbell. I've just checked it was six months that we had, that we had a chat six months ago. Is this cosmic destiny that it was like our half birthday? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, I sent you a card, so I hope you get it in the mail, an anniversary card. I hope that's okay. Oh, um, yeah, I sent yours, but um, it's probably going to, I mean, it's going international. I sent it via ground. So oh, okay, okay. It might not ever get there, actually. It might arrive here by Sherpa at some point. <laughs> I'll start with an easy question because I always have to ask this to people because uh, I'm a British man, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. How is the weather over there? You'd love it. It's grey, cool, and dreary. Oh, my God. Words to my heart. I'm only asking because I'm replying to your minus 25 tweet the other week. <laughs> and I was just, I always like to wonder this. When you, when you wake up in the morning and it's just like mounds of snow and there's just drifts everywhere, do you get any kind of leverage about going to work? So if you're 30 minutes late and your boss is like, yeah, it's fine. Or do you have to explain and say, well, I spent half an hour trying to dig my car out? No, when you when you get a giant snow bomb, like I, I think you were looking at pictures from Newfoundland, which is near where actually I, I was raised uh, on a nearby island. Okay. And when you get drifts like that, like it, it, that's that's not usual. So oh, if you okay, see a, okay. a meter of snow is not happening very often. Uh, <laughs> All right. I've only seen that once or twice in my life. And this happened actually, there was, um, they called it White Wan. There was a hurricane in the summer in Halifax one year. And so it, it was. It was pretty significant. There was flooding and the, um, a lot of power outages. Took a long time to clean, clean up. Then that winter, there was a giant snowstorm uh, that laid about a meter of snow in two days, and the entire city was shut down for a week. Whoa! Yeah. So it wasn't business as usual at all. Um, as much as people would have you believe that, you know, ha, we're we're very hardy Canadians. We're used to this. No, nobody is used to this. And uh, it took it, it took at least a week to get everything cleared up. Even university classes, you know, were, were canceled. I mean, it was the sort of thing where. You just stayed in your house. When your power came back on, you you know ate your provisions, and then you eventually wandered outside when you could. It's like something like Fallout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it 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 we never get blasted twice in a row or anything like that. Or it's never like a month's worth of terrible winter snow where you're just stuck in your house. So I mean, uh, we we get a reprieve, and I, we we can't really complain very much about that sort of thing ruining daily life. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right. As we are two old men, we can't just sit here and talk about the weather all day. I'm sure we'd love to, though. But uh, let's get on to the, the topic at hand, which is why I wanted to have you on. I needed to talk to somebody who is a, a bona fide goalie, not just a pretend one like me. Um, <laughs> the whole David Ayer situation, let's just ask this straight out of the gate. Do you have a problem with the e-bug and do you think it needs fixing? So first of all, you're a goalie, a bona fide goalie in your heart. Uh, it doesn't matter what anyone else says that what's most important is that you feel like you're a goalie and then you're welcome you're welcome into the community fantastic i just wanted to straighten that out first i I don't have a problem with the current e-bug system it's so it happens so rarely now i do think it will happen more often in the future i think we're seeing a league that's trending toward this is very sad for me uh more goalie injuries and taking goalie injuries uh more seriously so 
if someone gets a concussion, um, if, if a goaltender is flattened, instead of just staying in the game and finishing, I think you're going to see concussion spotters, you're going to see the, the team trainers, you're going to see organizations take this much more seriously. So I think you're going to see this happen more often because in the past, when a goaltender would get injured, often they would just stay in the game because especially the second goaltender in because that's it, right? The option is the emergency goaltender. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure to remain in the game. Now, I think that's abating. I think we're taking, uh, the league is finally starting to take that more seriously. And I think you're going to see goaltenders pulled out of situations where normally they would have stayed in. So I think it's going to happen more often. I don't have a big problem with the way it is now. I can see why some people would want to change it though. Uh, I understand people with a lot of interest vested in their success, uh, not liking the system as it's currently as it's currently run. The only tweaks I thought about was I think there should be an age limit because I think David Edge is 42. He's then going into play the highest level of pro hockey. And I was just thinking, like, if this dude gets injured or something happens, it's not going to look good. On the other side of that, I think if he'd, you know, if he'd got smoked for like 15 goals or something, yeah. and that's, that's just tough luck. Sorry, Hurricanes fans, but it's sports and sometimes you're just really unlucky. And that was what's happened. And then some kind of quarterly health check or something, if, if there is an ebook. But that's it for me. Right. As as far as I mean, first of all, he's a um, he's a little older than I am. He's about three months older than me. So how dare you, <laughs> someone of that age, wouldn't be competent in an NHL crease? <laughs> no. Um, at Ingle, um, I made a proposal uh, about changing the ebook system because even though I think it's really fun, and even though I think it's a good thing for the game in the broad sense. It brings in fans from markets that would never have considered hockey, that have never thought about ice hockey goaltending. And it's so rare and so far so okay. It's it, Both times sort of it's happened recently, it's gone okay, that I don't really want to see changes made or really significant changes. I think there's some weird old-timey charm about having a guy come in essentially from the, from the bleachers and fill in, you know, in, a, in an emergency situation and sort of get a chance to be the hero. Uh, and if your team loses the two points – well, maybe you took one on the chin for, in some weird sense, the, the good of the game as a whole or the exposure of the game as a whole. So I'm okay with that. If, though, the NHL, and they may well be determined to change this and to professionalize this, then uh, I proposed a system where you, and I, I read this somewhere else as well, uh, that mirrors what, the, uh, what Major League Baseball does um, with catchers. There are dedicated catchers that are just bullpen catchers. So they're with the team, but they don't actually play games. They're not on the active roster. But they're still working as a catcher in that very specific position that not a lot of people could do. Uh, but that's all they do is help the team, you know, warm up pitch, pitchers and you know do practice and things like that. Not be on the actual roster. These catchers are are very competent, right? They're very very good. They could be playing r really high levels of minor league ball somewhere, but they've chosen to do this instead. And I think that if you're going to change the emergency backup goalie scenario. And you don't want teams to have to carry a third signed goaltender uh, and sort of waste that goalie season um, traveling around and not getting starts in another league. Then I think a dedicated third goalie might be a way to do it. Uh, this goaltender would have to have significant junior college or professional experience. Uh, the goaltender would have to be almost NHL quality, certainly not someone who just plays recreationally now and then. And this goaltender would be taking on a role with the team. The goaltender would travel with the team and practice, which would be their main function. And then if there was an emergency, they'd be with the team. And so they'd um, they'd be the ones to fill in. Uh, and then teams would have a vested interest in picking actually very good goaltenders to do this uh, so that their shooters had an actual NHL goaltender to practice with and, and, to, and to shoot on. 
and so that if someone did have to go into a game, they'd have they'd maximize their chances of winning as they always do. But it wouldn't count as a roster spot. It wouldn't count against the cap, and you wouldn't have to pay league minimum. You could pay what a hundred grand for this goaltender for the season, and it doesn't come off the it doesn't come off your cap. I think we talked about this on the show this week, me and Will, but my only concern with this kind of thing is I just think somehow teams will just find a way to fudge it so they end up with three really good goalies on their roster. It would have to be, the ruling on it would have to be super tight and super strict because say for a team that's already made the playoffs, I'm sure they would try and find some kind of loophole where their starter gets quote unquote injured. And then, (laughs) oh, well, we've got this other guy on the roster, so... Maybe he can just be the backup's backup for a couple of games. And, you know, like Tuka Rask, I don't know, whatever, gets like a month off at the end of the season because the Bruins have already made it in or something like that. Well, I heard your conversation about um, also you likened that to the cap, saying, you know, the cap uh, in the original CBA, right, the cap was supposed to be airtight. No one could game the cap. And yeah. then, of course, everyone's learned to game the cap. Yeah. And, you know, they keep having to make new rules and to close loopholes because people will always wiggle um, you know, into uh, a new way of doing things, right? Into a, a way of cheating the system. So that's you know that's possible that could happen. However, um, if a team did have a third goaltender who was very good, then that goaltender would find um, their way onto the roster. So if there's a goaltender lurking somewhere outside the NHL that's really really good, uh, for a team to take them on as their emergency backup goaltender slash practice goaltender would be detrimental i think to that goaltender's development because they wouldn't be playing in a good league anywhere they wouldn't be playing with the actual nhl club they'd be practicing which is great but they'd be missing that game experience which i think uh matters and yeah i see what you're saying though maybe about uh there could be some contractual shenanigans so the goaltender like the team doesn't have any contracts left or they don't want to sign the goalie for full but the goaltender season is over in their other league maybe and then they want them to come over and be their emergency backup goalie, but then they get them in the game. I could see how a team could uh, could work it, could could do some finagling. But um, as long as the rule were written up well enough, it's a rare enough thing, I think, that it wouldn't affect the game You know, in as far as emergency backup goalies would go. And if the league followed the spirit of their rules when they wrote these up and didn't allow teams to crawl through these these loopholes, um, I, I think you could I think you could eliminate that. I mean, you know, teams will always maybe always find a way to do something, but I think teams could, I think the league could eliminate that or, or at least limit that severely. We are, of course, hoping here that the NHL does the right thing, which is sometimes a tricky wish, obviously. Yeah. Are you in the, I've got to ask you this, are you in the conspiracy camp that this has only been discussed as much and the maybe rule changes to the ebook because it's the Leafs who failed in their target? Uh, two Two things. Two things happened, I think, as a result of it being the Leafs. One of them is uh, the exposure for this was much wider. Yes. So everyone got to see. Um, you know, uh, late night talk show hosts got wind of this, right? And, and I think it's because it happened in such a big market. Another thing is the the guy came in for the Leaf uh, for the uh, the Canes wearing Leafs gear. And I think that mattered. The optics of this thing were, were kind of awful. Um, you know, basically, you're giving us your goalie, your organization's guy. And a- another thing I think um, happened as a result of this, or, or another thing uh, was a factor. He let in two goals right away. So I believe the first two shots on goal in a relatively close game that shouldn't maybe shouldn't have been so close, uh, he let in the first two goals. And so everyone started to panic. And commentators, you know, national commentators in, in both states and in Canada started saying, well, this is terrible. This can't happen. And once that idea was out, oh, wow, this really could go bad. This isn't like last time. Everything started to go mad. And because it was in Toronto, 
it received so much more attention, right, um, nationally and even you know within North America internationally. That I think that's why everyone started um, even after the game, sort of saying, "Well, maybe we have to rethink this." It's because everyone started panicking after those first two goals. Now he settled in, and the Canes did an amazing job of shutting down, which which I think is the reason they won the game and yeah. that Aries was able to get a you know a star of the game uh, and, and to get his win. But I think that had more to do with it than it's just being people complaining about Toronto or people in Toronto complaining. I was just thinking, well, if it's the Sens or the Red Wings or maybe a less popular team is having a bad season, I, it was kind of like the Scott Foster thing in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, at that point, he, it wasn't a critical game. This game could have had, I mean, luckily for the Leafs, the Panthers are just doing what the Panthers always do, so it's not really important. But yes. this could have had like massive playoff implications. And then if the Leafs miss out on the playoffs by a point or two points because they couldn't beat a 42-year-old e-bug, it would have looked, it would have looked silly, and I agree. But I think you're right. It's um, With it being the Leafs, it's definitely... It kind of brought it to the attention a bit more. Will talked about in soccer, you can have substitute goalies come onto the come into the game if your goalie gets injured. If your goalie gets injured and you don't have a substitute goalie, unluckily, one of the players has to go in goal. You have to substitute your goalie for an outfield player, and then your player goes in goal. Could you ever could see the league doing anything like that? No, no, never, never at all. <laughs> um, no, never. Uh, okay. the, the, the league had done that, but it was a. Um, this was in the. I believe it was in the sixties. Uh, I forget if it was uh, Mike Comedo or if it was NHL History Girl, whose tweet I read about this. But the league used to just you know make you put a player in. But then I believe in the sixties there were house goalies. So you, oh no, it was on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, and uh, there was an emergency backup goalie. I believe in the sixties. No, it was in the late fifties who went in for Jacques Plante at one point. And then he ended up being the goaltender um, in all of in the background of all of the hockey cards for that season because I believe it was Parkhurst, the the, the card company, who they just took all their pictures uh, in, like in, in at one time of, of a given team. And so it ended up being that all of the pictures I believe of the Leafs at the time had this weird goalie in the background who wasn't Jacques Plante because an emergency backup goalie, the house goalie, ha- had to play for him. So the idea that goaltending is such a unique position in hockey that you can't just have a player skate out there and put the gear on is a really old idea. And I I cannot imagine the NHL going back and changing it to some guy, some defenseman or or forward strapping on the pads. I I think the asset risk would make the general managers just go white with fright. They would would pass out. Can you imagine even, even someone who you don't value that highly in the organization, someone like that strapping on the pads and just facing shots without any knowledge of really how the mechanics of goaltending work it's a it's such a recipe for injury and disaster. I, I, goaltenders aren't protected all over their bodies, right? The back of a goaltender is ill protected. The reason goalies don't get hit in the back or in these uh, soft areas very often is because they know how to stand. When you don't know how to stand or move in the net, you, it's a massive injury risk, impact risk, of course, from the puck, but also uh, like musculoskeletal risk is amplified amazingly because you're not you, you're not using these muscles and stretching these uh, you know uh, and stretching and mo- moving in the way the goalies do. So when you're forced to do that, when you're forced into a half split uh, to make a save, and your body doesn't often do that, you're going to get hurt. And then you need a backup emer- emergency backup goaltender for your emergency backup goaltender. I, I mean, I cannot see the NHL going to that system, and I, and I hope they don't for the good of uh, everyone. No, yeah, I, yeah, I agree completely. I don't know if you know this or not, but. Do you have any idea what would happen if the e-bug also got injured? No. I would I would love to know that. I wonder if it was just like, okay, well, sorry, we've just got to start it, the game's over. We've got to stop here, we'll have to replay or something like that. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, hockey doesn't like adjournments. Usually, you see them the odd time because of injury or a really significant um, yeah. event uh, or power outages or something. But I can't imagine. What can I imagine? That is the only situation where I imagine the NHL would allow uh, a player or would would require uh, a player to go in net or for the team to play six on five. Because at that point, it's either canceling the game, getting someone from the crowd, literally from the crowd, who has no relationship to the team or isn't signed uh, on any sort of um, – who has no agreement with the team to be a backup goaltender to go in. And I don't know how the league would, would arrange that. I, I have no idea if there's, an, if there's a combination made for that at all right now. As we move on a little bit, mentioning Dovsi David Ayer's age and your sprightly youngness, shall we say. You're mentioning his youth. Uh, yes, I'm uh, mentioning his yeah. youth. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, does that mean you're going to be hanging around at more Canadians games now in case you get the call somehow? <laughs> uh, when he went in, and they showed a close-up of him drinking his water and standing in the net. And just uh, often before a game, a goaltender will just sort of get in a crouch and put your head down and just think, right? Look down at the ice. And I thought he looked maybe like he was going to be sick because I would be sick. I, I would physically feel like I was going to be ill. And I think I, actually I was just projecting. <laughs> he wasn't that nervous. Uh, but I would have been so nervous. I don't know if I'd have been able to. Well, I certainly wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to do much more than he did on those first two shots. And whether or not anything got settled in, I don't know. So I, I no, the <laughs> ship has sailed. Um, I have other dreams now, and I, I can live those other ways. But this is not at all how I would like to spend a Saturday night. There we go. That leads me on to a question then that I wasn't thinking of, but you just made me think of. Mm-hmm. Before the game, then before the game starts, if it's an important at any point in your sort of goalie career you've obviously had games that to you were important at the time when you settle down and you're looking down at the ice what are you thinking about what's going through your mind breathe next shot just that's that's it just get to the next one next shot because uh it's some i mean people are people are all different some people are able to shut it all off and play like a machine which in some ways is great because you don't get caught up in narratives as you start playing um you don't ride the highs and lows of the emotion of the game you're not playing differently based on the score. Um, you're not tightening up or tensing, right, because it's a closer game. So if you can just clear your mind and stop your uh, stop your mind from creating stories that don't yet exist, uh, you're in much better shape. At least I, I know I am. So when I just focus on a word or two, focus on the breath, focus on just the next shot, then I'm at my best. It's when you start thinking, okay, I have to stop this one because if I don't, then they're going to be tied. Oh, this is a really big save that's coming up on this breakaway. I really have to bear it. All of that talk is unhelpful. Uh, just stop the next puck. If that's all you're thinking about, um, you, you, you'll be in you'll be in shape to actually stop the next puck. Uh, otherwise, you start thinking yourself out of the game. When you said about he looked like he was going to be sick, I don't know if you've, I don't know how closely you follow soccer or not, but there's a very famous player called Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And France played England in I want to say the European Championships, and there's a famous clip, and they got a penalty in the last minute to win the game. Oof. As the referee's blowing the whistle, he vomits violently onto the pitch then just steps up and takes a penalty and scores. <laughs> and I was just I was just watching thinking and that's like elite level of calm. To just, I mean you can I mean it's like it's not even close. I mean you are, it's clear what he's doing. He's just blah and he just steps up and takes the kick. I was like all right that's why you get paid all that money because you don't let these things bother you. If Aries had had uh, had done that like on the ice or like you know like, <laughs> on, like the trainer holds out a bucket, he pukes and then steps onto the ice to go. I would have completely understood, and it would have made this story, which was already great, even better. 
and uh, think about that. Think about that, though. We tend to think of sort of the mind and body as very separate things, or we tend to think of the mind as really being able to control the body. So if you're calm and you're relaxed and you're focused, then your body is going to follow suit. And in this case, clearly, right, that wasn't the case. The body was going to do what it was going to do, right? This emotion was going to have its effect on the body. And then he was able to sort of rein, like rein it in in some sense with his mind. With it, uh, but it doesn't, it, it's not always this clear division, right? It's not always this clear relationship. So um, that, that is a fantastic story. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, the clip's out there, so it's easy to find. Yeah. Somebody, I cannot remember who put the, the picture up the other day, but I wanted to quickly talk to you about teams that are still overusing goalies and having goalies play too many games when it's clearly yeah. now... The narrative has now become, okay, you need a very, very, you need like almost a 1A, 1B. It's not yeah. just a 1A and then a 4 in, in terms of goalie kind of ratings. Right, or a How 6. Many, yeah, yeah. How many games would you recommend goalie should be playing a year in, in a regular season? I think it varies. I think we get caught in trends, and these trends are detrimental to specific goaltenders. Yeah. So I think you have to evaluate, and this doesn't just mean asking the goaltender, because a lot of goaltenders will say, yeah, I want to play 70 games. But really, they're going to be better off at 50. So I, I think as a decision-making unit, the team has to decide uh, before the season begins in as far as possible. They have to make a plan and say, listen, we think based on this data that we have, based on your career, based on how you play, based on our defensive system, based on our backup goaltender, based on your salary, you need to play this many games, not more than that many games if we can possibly do that, right? And things happen during the season to change plans. But if you have a plan going into the season that's going to maximize your particular goaltender and your, your team's chance of success, you have to follow that plan. If you don't have that kind of a plan or if you're willing to abandon it at, at the drop of a hat, right? As soon as adversity comes up, as soon as you need a couple extra points, you start riding the starter, even though you know that that's been detrimental in the past, uh, I think you're flirting with disaster. And I think a lot of teams have not clued into this reality yet. The picture I saw there was three goal. Uh, sorry, there was four goalies who've played uh, fifty games or more so far this season, which is Kerry Price, Connor Hellebuck, Freddie Anderson, and Sergei Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. And I think out of the th- out of the three of them, Connor Hellebuck's played the best. And I'm yeah. just looking. You know, I think he's on fifty. He's on pace for sixty plus games this year. But I think what can sometimes get lost is you're not just looking at this season. You have to think about you know if you've got Hellebuck signed for a long term deal. Yeah. And you've got another goalie playing 45 games a season. Then in five years, Hellebuck's played an entire other season. Right. The drop off a cliff for goalies once they pick up injuries and stuff is rapid. Yeah. I guess I was going to ask you, why do you think teams are still riding their first goalie so much? But like you say, you know, if you need two points, you're always going to go back to the guy that you trust, don't you? Exactly. Um, even if the odds in a particular situation favor putting in a backup goaltender, that doesn't matter, Right. On the tail end of a back-to-back, many goaltenders uh, struggle, especially later in the season when you know workload is already high. Missing games is also a it's a mental reset. Uh, Pekka Rene was recently on the Ingle Media podcast, and he talked about missing games not as a physical benefit, uh, physical rest, even though it is that to some degree, but he talked about it as a mental benefit. And I think that matters a lot over the grind uh, of an 82-game season. When you're able to give your starter the kinds of mental breaks that, that they need to perform at their best, uh, your, t- your, you know, your team's going to do better, right? It also you know, mitigates injury risk. So if you're going every night, a game situation is not a practice situation, right? You're stretching that extra half inch when you, when you need to. You are putting your body in positions that it doesn't get to that often in practice. Everything means more, right? So you're charged up. You're doing things more powerfully in the game than you would often in practice, uh, even without trying. And so if you can limit the number of games 
you're mitigating risk just by putting someone in that position less frequently. And by not having them tax certain weak spots, everyone has weak spots in their body or previous injuries, you're not taxing those weak spots to their maximum extent if they're not playing as many games. And so I think that that's a, those are important considerations. I was so happy when Tuka Rask said he just wasn't going to go to the All-Star game. It, and I was so happy because I just thought, yeah, have 10 days off. Br- brilliant. You know, you're not playing one long grueling season. Now you've kind of separated it into kind of two and a bit seasons. And, you know, nice little manageable chunks. That's that's the best thing. I mentioned Sergei Bobrovsky there. Mm. We've, got to, we've got to talk about it. Obviously, the $10 million elephant in the room. And I know it is only his first season, but it is hockey. And we like to react in the moment and say crazy things that could come back and haunt us, but whatever. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Say he performs like this again next season and he has what's classed as a, a down year. I think he's on a 900 save percentage at the moment. And that's up. That's trending up. Yeah, that's yeah, that's trending up. Which is, which is scary. I mean, how, how long do you leave it before you start looking at the situation and thinking, okay, we've got a problem here. What do, what do we do? How long do you kind of give him? You, you have to give him the summer. Bobrovsky uh, and Kat Silverman over at Ingle wrote an excellent article about, uh, it's called Rebuilding Bobrovsky. And it talked about how he changed his, he used to get injured frequently. Um, uh, he was a lower body injury demon because the guy was absolutely stacked, uh, lower body. He was so muscled, so powerful. And you think that's good, right? A goaltender needs to have a strong lower body, needs to be explosive. And you can see it in his game. I mean, he has one of the most athletic games uh, of any goaltender playing right now, per- perhaps the most athletic. But he was training the wrong way, and he was not working on strength in flexibility, not working on strength at the sort of limits of, of, his, of his flexible range. He was training like uh, a, a kind of lifter, uh, a kind of bodybuilder rather than as a goaltender. And when he started training like a goaltender, uh, he started to have a lot of success. So he's able to make significant changes in the way that he prepares for a season, right? He's already proven that. When it's shown that what's been happening before isn't working. Uh, if I'm in Florida, uh, I'm, I'm talking to, to Sergey, and I'm saying, listen, um, this season didn't work for whatever reason. Whatever you need to do um, to tighten things up, to figure out how to play in this system, to go back to what you were doing in Columbus, to go back to what you were doing with your uh, with Ian Clark, right, who was an incredibly uh, powerful goalie coach influence on Bobrovsky, whatever you need to do this summer to try to get that back, we're going to support you in that. I think that Bobrovsky can come back and be very, very effective. Uh, he can, I think he can be the same goaltender that he was when he uh, just recently won the Vesna Trophy. But I think he needs um, a summertime overhaul. He needs to get back to the technique that was winning him hockey games. And I think he just he needs that he needs that kind of a reset uh, w- w- with that kind of support. And then we see next season. If next season looks just like this season, whew, you start thinking. Uh, you start thinking about where he could go. Uh, and how you're gonna how you're gonna manage this gigantic cap hit w- with without the return? Did his did his goalie coach go with him, or did no. the goalie coach stay in Columbus? No, no, he he left. Uh, the goalie coach left the organization, so he's now I believe he's in Vancouver. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, which is great news for them. Not such good news for uh, Columbus or obviously Florida and Bobrovsky. Yeah, because you'd be thinking, wouldn't you? Like, who was the guy who kind of helped put these pieces together? Let's get him in as well. Let's not just get the goalie. Let's get the guy that the goalie kind of loves and trusts. Yes, I'm... and I mean, think about Bobrovsky early on, right? I mean, he he moved around. He he wasn't valued as a potential, you know, Vesna Trophy winning goaltender. He was yeah, that's right. When someone came, and it's a, it's a match too, right? Certain goalie coaches are just excellent, but there's also a fit when you have a goaltender who has incredible explosive athleticism. But a very open and shut, a very um, you know full of holes structure. 
if you can have a goalie coach who really prioritizes closing down those holes, having good seals, right? Um, not over committing, right? Um, playing, playing within the limits of, of your abilities. That has a huge effect. That's a great marriage. That's a great match. And so if you could have got that goaltending coach to go with him, that would have been better. Uh, obviously, however, the way that the, you know, the, the way things work, you can't always follow your goalie around or you, you might not even want to, right? You might not, maybe he didn't want to go to Florida. Maybe his contract was up at a different time. Maybe, you know, Florida's happy with their goalie coach, et cetera. Yeah. Let's talk about the man who took over from the man who took over from the man from Sergei Bobrovsky, <laughs> which is, of course is, uh, the king of rock and roll himself, Elvis Mazlikins. That's great. I wanted to ask you about his decision to stop talking to the media, which, <laughs> now looks to be completely inspired. Yeah. And he said he discussed it with his coaches. You know, he said it was a pressure he didn't want. Um, I'm not sure much you've seen of him this year, but I, I guess this has kind of showed how sort of the mental side of goaltending really is, that he decided, yeah. I don't need that. I don't need to be thinking during a game, oh God, the press are going to roast me for this afterwards. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, I, I just love what he did. And I'm kind of surprised more players kind of haven't done it. Players are in a funk. They're just like, yeah, that's it. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm taking a break. Yeah, I mostly saw this. I follow a lot of media, obviously, on, on Twitter. And the media were the people most unhappy about this, as you can understand. <laughs> yeah. Who have great access. So someone who's used to being in the room, being able to question, you know, everyone who's played. In some sense, and not even in some sense, contractually, it's the job of any player who suits up and goes out there to talk to the media after games. Uh, and now, you know, PR managers, uh, the team, the organization, they can finagle things. So that on this night, you know, this person isn't going to talk, right? Uh, on this night, you know, where he's not this day before the game, he's not going to talk. You know, they they can slot things in, but to come out and say no, I'm not going to talk to the media. Um, you know, maybe I'll release some some notes uh, after the game on on Twitter or Instagram. You know, that I typed on my phone. That that'll be how I talk about the game. I mean, it's an interesting idea, and maybe it would be beneficial for more players to do this, and, and especially more goaltenders to do this. Uh, however, there's something about fulfilling the duties of your job that it, it's not going to fly if everyone did this. So sort of as an exception for a limited time, this was allowed to happen. But I can't see uh, I can't see this catching on because I can't see the league actually allowing it. Uh, I can't see them allowing people because really who would talk to the media if they didn't have to, right? I can think of a few few guys <laughs> or maybe after wins where you're like, yeah, sure. But then you would only get people coming out after you know successful games, right? You get the first star to come out and talk. Uh, but then otherwise, no, we lost. I, we're, we're not going to talk. We don't need that extra stress. So I think it's a bad precedent. I think it worked for him. I'm glad the team was able to, you know, to, to arrange it somehow. Um, I'm glad he performed incredibly afterwards, but I don't think it could catch on. How how do teams manage to, manage to find these goalies? I mean, do they just see one little thing in them? Because Elvis was, a, I think, a third round pick or wasn't he? Like it was a late, it was a late, a later choice, kind of, for example, not a, you know, he wasn't picked in the first round or anything. Are they looking for just one specific thing or can they see into the future that he's got the whole package? I mean, do you have an idea how they kind of find this, like these kind of gems? Teams that have dedicated goalie scouts tend to find these uh, these goaltenders faster than teams that just have a European scout, right? That uh, doesn't have any yeah. necessarily goalie specific training. Greg Ballack, um, who is uh, who's another in goal guy, he, uh, he was give, uh, showing us some tweets from 2014 uh, where he said, wow, you know, Elvis looks excellent i can see him being a steal at number 76 uh for for uh, wow yeah Uh, and of course he was now he's not always right but he 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 was very good with prospects uh he used to do this thing uh top 50 uh every year and he talked to goalie coaches he talked to scouts he watched people play and you can see these things coming when you're watching and when you know what to look for 
And when you have goaltending specific professionals watching these goaltenders develop, they can see what core abilities this goaltender has that are going to translate well and what things are going to be fixable when they get into a nicely structured system with great coaching. Uh, and I think that's the thing that separates goaltending, uh, successful goaltending drafting from less successful uh, goaltending drafting, which relies more on luck or you know, goaltenders being 6'3 or 6'4 and just drafting those guys and hoping they can teach them how to play. Someone else who's having a, a decent season as the Philadelphia Flyers are absolutely surging right now. And yeah. not to pat myself on the back, but I'm <laughs> going to because I have a very massive ego, even though I've never really done anything. But I did pick the Flyers at the start of the season as my surprise team to uh, to win the Stanley Cup. So I'm very happy that they're doing quite well, actually, because it's good for me. But Carter Hart is having a, a, a good season. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, what did... What do you think it takes to get a young goalie, a young goalie who's kind of rated very highly? What does it take him to get him through a season like this? Do you think Elaine Vigneault or, you know, the rest of the, the King Ghidorah team over there are saying to their players, be careful, limit shots, you know, we've got to protect him? Or do you think it's just a case of, okay, Carter Hart's good, we trust this guy, he's going to be okay, and just letting him do his thing? When he first came up, the Flyers were playing in front of him kind of like the Hurricanes were playing in front of an emergency backup goaltender. Okay. Um, there, there's a great screenshot I remember seeing where um, there's one attacker, the Carter Hart's sort of in the background, and then there are four flyers all – it almost looks like you've um, slowed down uh, an animation, right? There are freeze frames of like – but there, there are four different flyers players who are reaching um, to stop that player from taking a shot. Okay. And so early on, it looked like maybe they were doing a bit of that. But as he got established and as he got more comfortable, they stopped doing that and started playing regular Flyers hockey, which can you know really leave your goalie out to dry. I think they made an important decision in the offseason. Um, not this offseason, but I think they made an important decision by getting in a veteran backup goalie. Um, Elliot is very serviceable. He's at that part of his career where he could start. But having him as sort of the you know 1B or the, the number two in a tandem works out. He right now, though, um, is trending, I think, 10 uh, or 11 sort of percentage points behind Hart with regard to raw save percentage. Right. So it's become clear over the course of the season that Hart is the guy. But early on, that wasn't the case. They were both trending very similarly. When they were both – well, they were both struggling a little bit um, early in the season uh, behind a team that wasn't giving them a lot of help. And they played them more evenly. Right, So they were taking the pressure off basically both guys, but especially off Hart by saying, listen, we're going to play you both. You're both going to get a chance in the net. You don't have to f win your way into the next start. The we're not throwing you to the wolves and saying no. We're going to run with you know the the veteran because you know he's been there before and we trust him. They they let them both play and then Hart gradually emerged as the starter. Basically, once he grew comfortable, once he started performing better, he started playing a little bit more and he started playing better. Right, and the fact that the team was able to be patient, they had a good enough goaltender, a backup goaltender, to facilitate sharing early on. I think that led to uh, some of the success that Hart's having. As we all know, there's nothing worse than your parents being disappointed in you. Mm -hmm. uh, when they shout at you, you can kind of brush it off and you don't mind too much. <laughs> so with that said, look at NHL goalies as a, as a disappointed parent. Uh, who have you been most disappointed in this season, Paul? Oh, wow, that's a tough one. There's so many good candidates <laughs> for, for disappointment. I mean, we've already covered Bobrovsky, and I think that has to be it for me because I'm 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 a very big Bobrovsky supporter. His game is so good. I, you know, for years, um, re remember watching Jonathan Quick play goal like nobody else um, yeah. in the NHL could play goal. He was doing things 
in RVH when no one was doing RVH and when no one was doing like when no one was doing anything out of it. He was inventing things. He was so good and and so athletically explosive and so uh, so quick. Obviously quick. But then you know, sort of um, with with age and with the dwindling team came decline. His style of game no longer fit when the Kings couldn't stifle East West chances like they used to. And so we sort of we've sort of we sort of now see his incredible athletic skills dwindling, or or you know he's not able to really use them um, like like he can. And I'm very worried that Bobrovsky is in in a similar position right now, where he has all these talents and. Physically, he's not dwindling. Physically, he looks like the same guy. But all these talents, all this natural athletic ability, uh, just isn't being it isn't being used to its max, right? Um, it, it's it's not really being displayed, and it's not able to be displayed in this environment. So for me, that has to be he has to be right now the biggest disappointment of the season, which 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 pains me to say. And then, as we all like praise, uh, who have you been most impressed with? Well, that's a much better one. I am a huge fan. Uh, you know, Hellebuck uh, having a, a, an excellent rebound year. Markstrom in Vancouver. Did you know that Markstrom is a very good goaltender uh, and has been for um, at least a couple of seasons? Uh, and I'm not just talking uh, a very good, like, you know, starting goaltender for an NHL team. I'm talking potential Vesna caliber performances behind a team where you, if you don't watch Vancouver very much, you just lose that, right? Like, you're like, oh, well, Vancouver's doing okay. Without Markstrom, that team would be. Um, not even a bubble team, uh, and and uh, this this has been this is certainly true this season. Last season, he made them somewhat respectable, right? He he basically gave them an environment where players can develop, uh, the team can sort of sh- gear up in its rebuild, and they have that safety net keeping them from getting um, blown out every night. So Markstrom is another guy for me that it has been very quietly excellent. Yeah, he's in the last year of his deal, isn't he? Can you can you see him yeah. getting a big payday, or do you think he'll, he'll yeah, stay there on I a kind of re- more respectable deal? I can see him staying. I can see him getting a big payday, but he's not going to get paid like um, Bobrovsky or Price or something like that, or even Lundqvist. I, I just teams now are going to be so gun shy to ante up term and and sort of uh, contract size for goaltenders that you're just not going to see that in the future. I don't think. I mean, I don't want to underestimate how much GMs like to sabotage themselves, but look at <laughs> some of these. I mean, Luongo basically, like he was, he was one goalie who got a big deal back in the day, and he played up to his contract for almost the entirety of his contract. Uh, it was a big contract and hard to trade, but he was very good that whole time. Uh, Lungfist has played up to the level of his contract for basically the entirety of his contract. He's having a he's having a hard go in a, in a very difficult situation for, uh, right now in, in New York, but he's lived up to that contract. However, the number of goaltenders who have not lived up to mega contracts is, is, is massive, especially over that term. So to invest like that, I, I can't see it. I don't know what he's going to sign for, I f- I, and I have no inside information about this, but I feel like he's going to remain in Vancouver at a, a good price for the team and a sufficient payday for him. Uh, but you're not going to see anything in the, you know, in the massive range, even though maybe he, you could argue that he deserves it based on the play of those other goaltenders and what they, what they were, were rewarded with. Yeah, I guess it's the like the Robin Lehner situation at the moment where he's looking for three years and teams are just very shy to give it, aren't they? They're looking at one or two maybe at the, at the most. And, and you know, he's um, giving him three years, I would do. He has played so well um, over the last couple of seasons. And even before um, he came out with, um, you know, with um, his, his mental health problems and before he started to you know, go into recovery for, for various, various things, he was doing really well before. Now he's just taken it to another level, right? Uh, and to expect him to sort of regress 
to a goaltender that really he's never been a, ba- a bad goaltender, right? With um, putting up bad numbers. I can't say he would be a guy I would I would pay. I'd give a little term. Three years is not a lot of term. Uh, I, if he if he wants that, if that's what he requires to stay at a reasonable cap hit, I'd pay him. The guy's the guy's money in the bank as far as I'm concerned. Okay, then there we go. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug today, Paul? Before we move out of here, let's see. Um, uh, my home now mostly is uh, Twitter, obviously. So uh, way to go, Paul is uh, is my Twitter handle, and you could follow me there if you want to hear more discussions about how I think 42 maybe is young. Then that's the place. To <laughs> Or maybe a book goaltending, whatever. And um, Ingle Media is the place where you'll find me uh, writing or commenting or doing social uh, more of the time. Ingle Media is uh, where you can look online. You can follow them on Twitter. Ingle Magazine is the, is the website. Uh, and they have a fantastic new premium site where you can get um, information about uh, – it's sort of from inside goaltending at the NHL level that you just – literally nobody else does no matter how large the platform it's a goaltending specific and if you've enjoyed chatting goalies uh hearing about all this stuff then you're you're really going to enjoy that so that's something else i'd uh, absolutely love to plug absolutely brilliant paul campbell goalie savant thank you very much (laughs) thanks very much there we go thanks to paul before we get to the news we are sponsored by wave intel i actually went to wave intel this week to help with the show and if jason is listening that doesn't entitle you to any percentage points in mine and will's burgeoning empire however Wave Intel does use real data to provide easy-to-read charts on teams and players. Wave Intel online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. Okay, not a crazy news week this week really, but I wanted to mention just a couple of little things. Oh, isn't it good to have the sends back, Will? <laughs> isn't it good? Of course it was going to happen. Of course it was. Can, can I just say, I'll preface this by saying I, Jim Little never existed. Jim, Jim Little was never a real person. Do you think the sense catfished us all yeah. with a fake CEO? I've, I've never believed that name. It's like a, that's not a person. It's just uh, he's a creative player. <laughs> just a random player generator, random executive generator. Yeah, yeah. They've they've put you know some numbers into like a, a ooh, what have you a one of two hundred hockey men name generator on on Google, and that was it. <laughs> Oh, that's a good. That's a good idea. I like that. That's go. a good. Somebody do that. That's we'll genius. To, we'll have to get that done. But and now he'll he'll fade back into doing you know not existing as he did for, what fifty four days ago. For for those who who don't know, as we've just jumped straight into it, uh, Jim Little was the CEO finally hired by the by the Senators after what an eighteen month search or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So after an eighteen month search. He was fired 54 days after being hired in January, um, apparently for swearing at Eugene Nelnick on Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) On today of all days, Jim, you've sworn at me. On today of all days, the most loving of days, how could you? You're fired. (laughs) Do you know what I'd like? I'd like to think, I'd like to think that entire 18 months was whittling down 500,000 applicants to one. <laughs> it wasn't just a case that they couldn't find anybody. They had so many people looking to do the job and it took them all this time and then 50 days later, fuck off, mate, you're done. Don't talk to me that way. It's like Jim Little never even wanted the job particularly. <laughs> Did it for a bet. Like the idea is <laughs> disrespecting Eugene from, from day one and then just on Valentine's Day it was too much. Maybe, maybe he got the job Maybe it's one of those things where you get, you suddenly, like, you apply for a job and think the grass is greener. And on your first day, you go home to your wife and just, like, 
I've made a terrible mistake. Oh, <laughs> so she's like, we've got to get fired then. And he's like, how do I get fired? I don't know. <laughs> Jim, why are you calling me? I'm trying to have a, a romantic Valentine's dinner with my wife. Listen here, <laughs> Eugene, you fucking arsehole. Listen here, you fucking old twat, you vampire bastard. <laughs> you fucking organ-stealing <laughs> prick. I just, I want to know. The best... I want to know what happened. I want to know what he said. God, I tell you. Well, do you know what it was? It was like a two-stage process, and I was slightly annoyed that he made a statement because it said he was fired for conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Ottawa Senators, and I thought, holy shit, what must it be <laughs> that even the Sens were like, Jim, we can't have this. Oh, sorry, mate, you're fired. I was like, what the hell has he done? That's, what the hell could he do that's so bad that even the Sens were annoyed at him? Cody Cece's fucking setting people on fire in his garden. He's like, nope, that's fine. <laughs> Seven players are sat in a car, slagging off the entire organisation. Just come back to practice, guys. We'll work it's it right, out. Come on, it's all right. We'll work it. <laughs> Eugene stealing body parts. Fucking. Okay. Oh, with, with, with that not in line with the core values of the centres, that was when it seemed uh, its most mundane to me. Because I thought I'd <laughs> yes, be yeah. very, very normal. I didn't think of it like that. Right, what are we going to do? Jim, yeah. We're going to hire someone to do a job and we're going to pay him, Eugene. Hey, how fucking dare you? <laughs> that's not that's not a nice our core values. Jim Little was fired for con- conduct inconsistent with the core values of the Senators. He was just trying to do his job. And that was just like, <laughs> Eugene's like, we can't have this. This guy's talking about draft picks and things? What the fuck? Jesus Get Christ. rid of him. What does this payroll word mean? <laughs> You know, Little's gone to Eugene and gone, okay, so here's how we can get to the cap next year. Get out! <laughs> Spitting his tea out. Oh, dearie me. That's, yeah, that's I was, to tell you, I was running through ideas in my mind of what this could have been like. I was fucking Elliot Kipchoge running the marathon. I had so many ideas of what it could have been. And it just he just swore at Eugene. I was devastated. No, but I'm, I'm glad there is something like this. Isn't it just beautiful? It's not like, you know, he... It's not just that he swore at Eugene or had a heated conversation with Eugene. It was on fucking Valentine's Day, Dan. I'm hoping there's a tape out there. You know, like when Christian Bale went mental like that lighting guy. (laughs) I'm hoping there's a tape out there somewhere. It's going to be somewhere on the the Bell, like, (laughs) you know, conversation recordings. (laughs) Oh, dearie me. I'd do so many different things to find out what, what was said. I'd kill to find out what he said to Eugene Melnick. And he said it was like it was a disagreement over the way the team was going to be kind of run, basically, wasn't it? Like the ideas they had for the team. And I just I just imagined that it was Jim Little had all these really good ideas. That's all I can think. Like, you know, we're going to spend this much on this player, this much on this player. And Eugene was just kind of like, mate, I'm broke. I'm being sued for a billion dollars. Like, what the fuck? I ain't got shit. We're going to short all the shares in the team. <laughs> and, then, and then use it to pay off my court fees. Eugene, Eugene, Eugene was like, I've just been on Dragon's Den, mate. I'm fucking, they've done me in. I'm skinned. I got waterboarded into selling 45% of this to fucking Theopathetus. Oh, God. I'm imagining it as not even particularly, you know, not revolutionary ideas from Jim Little, just normal hockey operations. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Just, just normal stuff. Yeah, we might go for a free agent in the summer if that's all right, Eugene. Don't you get out, get out. <laughs> He's oh probably God. Jim Little's ideas were probably the kind of things that people like, like normal CEOs just sit down and think about it while they're having their tea. Just normal stuff, like not even anything. But it's just it's the sense you just can't do that. Like there's clearly 
incredibly bad things going on behind the scenes there that financially anyway that people aren't privy to and i think yeah it's good to have him back oh it's great i'm so glad it's taken a while it's taken a while we went through a period last year didn't we We were talking about the sends every other week but it's been a while but oh man i've missed him so much my fa- one of my favorite teams slowly ease back into to send strama maybe have something again in a couple of weeks and then <laughs> this is what they're doing yeah They've done this because there's something way worse on the horizon. This is the trailer. <laughs> this is just a teaser. Yeah, this is the this is the end of, at the end of the, uh, the after the end credits. That's all this is. We've got to wait for the big thing. Yeah, when, when you get you know like a trailer for something that doesn't show anything. Yeah, just like somebody exactly. walking or whatever, and then at the end it's got like the title, like whatever it might be, and people lose their minds, and then then we're going to get some real meat and potatoes later down the line. I hope you called them the full-blown C-word. I don't know if I want to know or not. Is it? Is it going to be? I just feel like he couldn't have just said. He couldn't have just like said, "Oh, this is fucking like you know what I mean." That kind of thing. That must go on. That goes all the time in hockey. Like oh, Christ, yeah. like two weeks ago, we had a, a fucking ref telling Brendan Gallagher to go fuck himself. It just happens all the time in hockey. I reckon. I reckon he must have just snapped. I reckon this geezer's had two months worth of of Eugene being his boss. He's like, oh, I can't fucking hack it with this geezer. That's what it is. <laughs> Wouldn't he get, would he get, you get comp if you get fired, don't you? Like, he'll get like a severance package. I just, I, I'm, Although, assuming, I'm assuming not. I just realised it again. Yeah, here's me talking about the sense I've got no money. That's, that's, why they're, that's why they worded the statement like that, like core values and all that, trying to, trying to beef it up as like, you, you fucking murdered a child, mate. Like, well, I'm not paying the, I'm not paying the child murderer, alleged. <laughs> Allegedly, yeah. Randy Lee get a um, get a severance package. Fucking forgot about Randy Lee. <laughs> Allegedly, Randy Lee. <laughs> oh, it's got been. No, well, no, it wasn't worse than Randy Lee, but but at the same time, it it offended Eugene more than Randy Lee did. <laughs> yeah, God Almighty! I've said before, somebody has to write a book on the Sands. They have to, because there's so many stuff I've just forgotten ever since they got to the conference final. Gee, Ever since then, all that stuff that happened. Mate, I wanted like a Moneyball style film, but but just about the sense. <laughs> it's in reverse. <laughs> they reverse Moneyball in their team, basically. They're, they're taking him from being like a contender to literally not existing anymore. They were one game away, one goal away from being in the finals. And then the worst happened again and again and again. It still blows my mind, that does. It blows my mind. Whether they're one and that team, that in, yeah, yeah, just the turnaround in that amount of time to from that to just absolute disaster in every aspect of the organization, every aspect. And and that's the thing; it's not like they just became shit because they are because because they no one expected them to be that good that year anyway. They were still yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's not like the Blackhawks or the Kings. No, like, no, yeah, no. they had great seasons, and then you have to go on a downturn. That's just hockey the way hockey it's, works. Sometimes they they were really lucky to get that close, and then by not getting to the cup final, everything just imploded. Anyway, Sens, welcome back. Gary Bettman was talking at the GM's oh, meeting yesterday about puck technology and puck and player tracking is officially on the way. Looks like it's going to be debuted in the playoffs. I've got to give Gaz a little bit of credit. He announced it and then said, I mean, yeah, to be fair, we've already done it. We didn't tell anyone, so it's fine. They've already used puck tracking in nine games this year and I hadn't told anybody. They've just done it. 
that I assume they must have told the teams, right? Well, no, yeah, they, but yeah, they hadn't like they hadn't announced it, had they? And no. clearly, the teams had been instructed to not say anything as well. Don't tell them using different pucks here tonight or anything. But I love it. I think he should do that with other things. Well, I changed. You know, because scoring's up foot in the crease rule for first <laughs> well, <laughs> and not telling anyone. <laughs> Maybe yeah, maybe something like that'd be a good idea. Maybe. Uh, so like maybe uh, you know because goals are up this year. Maybe he should, he should just say, "Oh, by the way, we made the nets bigger, but we've, it's fine." <laughs> no, we're like, what? It. We've taken away offsides and icing, so just go nuts. It's fine. Whatever. Doesn't matter. People losing their mind on Twitter like these refs are shit. They can't even see the most obvious offsides. Have you uh, have you seen the new pucks? I mean, yeah, but I I didn't notice anything about them, and it sounds like you're going to tell me something incredible about them. It's not so. It's not something incredible. It's just a little. I don't know. I was just thinking about it, and I mean, some players. Some now he's mentioned. Now he's told uh, the press about it. Some players have come out and said that the puck did feel like Sidney Crosby said, like the puck felt different to me. He said the edges of the puck felt different. Like it was. It kind of felt different on my stick and everything. Okay, fine. But the pucks now are one solid thing. These new pucks are assembled in pieces. Mm, yeah. And I'm just thinking, at some point, at some point, in a crucial point in a game somewhere, a puck's just going to explode. And there's going to be pizzas everywhere. And that's going to be like, oh my God, the puck burst or it exploded. What are we going to do? This is a disaster. The annoying thing about that is now people have an excuse to be annoyed by it and like something to pin it onto. Because like, that's happened before. It's not like these pucks, yeah, true. Been, true. Like, pucks have failed before. But now that we know, yeah, true. Good point. Good point. got this fucking chip in it, blah, blah, blah. If it happens now... People are going to use it as an excuse to say, "Oh, we shouldn't have this this thing in." Blah blah blah. They've they've stress tested it, and and if it does fail at an important point, that's it's not the puck's fault or like the it's not an argument against trying to use the technology. It's a, another bit of evidence of the league not doing things properly. Are you in are you in favour of like puck and player tracking, just as a general thing? Like, are you bothered at all? Yeah, I I still kind of don't strictly understand what we're going to get out of it partly because i haven't looked into it enough and partly just because i'm stupid but yeah of course, of course i'm for it i'm sure it will be useful I don't, I don't know why people would be against having more information about the game they're watching oh no i agree completely i don't know why they'll be against it but there'll be people who are against it oh yeah but, definitely yeah. people are, people are i don't know why they would be even if it's just oh, yeah, basic completely. thing of like oh look Conor mcdavid's skating at 45 miles an hour well, that's cool to know I don't think the game needs to be I don't think the game needs to have it live on screen as it's happening like you know like, like some of the ideas were having like the player's name over their heads when they're skating or stuff like that I don't mm. know if it, I don't know if it needs that but if it's just for information purposes then yeah I don't it's not a problem I, I think it's a good idea it could be cool to have little little things like I don't know maybe the the lines on ice or like players on ice underneath the scoreboard like if it's small enough and legible enough and stuff like that but even yeah, it's a good idea. The, the way I see it changing things is intermission. So you can end up with like a like an overhead analysis, like you would on on footy. Like say, oh, we're looking at we're looking at a play that led to a goal or whatever, and you can you have like a, a series of lines or something. Right, puck starts here, it goes there. Like like when you draw up a drill sort of thing. Like I said, I don't know necessarily how it's going to be implemented, but it's it's going to be good. It's going to be useful. Even if it's not the league that get the most use out of it, all the TV partners, somebody somewhere, like with all the data around hockey, is going to do something really cool with it. I do think this uh, this new puck will give some players excuses now as well. Well, that that's the thing I was thinking, especially with these like behind closed doors 
use of it, if you will, you know, unannounced games that they're testing it in. I'm sure they checked with the teams and stuff. But when when is the right time to to game test something like this? Because to an extent, regular season games in January and February don't matter all that much. But imagine if the the sort of results from the from those test games were right. This puck isn't ready for full time usage, and you've had points on the line that can contribute to whether you make the playoffs or not. Is that the right thing to do? And is it odd that they're debuting in the playoffs, which is the most crucial point of the year? I, I don't I don't like that as a way of dubbing it because like yeah, they're going to bring it in for full time use in the playoffs, but. It's already been debuted. Like it's, they've used it in NHL games. I guess you just de- like yeah. As soon as the playoffs are over, that's it. The old pucks are out. The new pucks are in. You've got all the off season to work on it, and then by the time the start of the season comes around, you're ready to go. And any kind of teething troubles at the start of the season don't mean fucking shit, do they? Like the first, like we say, the first twenty games don't fucking mean anything. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you a bit with that. You'd kind of wanna, you'd you'd have wanted to test it at like the World Cup hockey or something. That would have been the the ideal place to do it, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the in the mind of preseason would have been the right time to do it. I'm I'm kind of excited for it. anything that kind of gets a bit more information out there. I'm all for that. Yeah, definitely. I, uh... it's, it's pushing the pushing the <coughs> game forward, and in theory, should make the fan experience better in in whatever way, shape, or form that takes place. Absolutely. And the only other thing I wanted to mention this week, which kind of led me on to think about a question, Johnny Boychuk. Jesus. Um... Oh my God. <sighs> I genuinely, Fucking... I genuinely thought he'd lost his eye. Honest to God, I was like, "This dude's it's fucking over," and it just gets his eyelid. I mean, can how close that is to you? I mean, clearly, you know, you all you are all aware how close that is. Well, that is terrifying. Ninety. We <laughs> have you got eyelids? As can a, you relate to me? As a former <laughs> baby who currently has eyelids. <laughs> As a current human being, if you've got eyelids, join in with this conversation. But yeah, <laughs> 90... Double eight, double two. <laughs> Do you know that? It sounds like one of those shitty fucking local radio bullshit text things. If or, you've ever done like, this, uh, send a message to 8734. Start your text with the word eyelids. <laughs> on the fucking uh, Jerry Vine show or something like that. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Have you been affected by eyelids? If so, call in now. Have you ever taken We've got people waiting to talk to you. Eyelid? Canal 90 stitches, dude. Oh my oh, god. How did you do like the fucking 90 stitches? I'd get the fuck out of here. No, he didn't. That's what it said. He said he had yeah, 90 stitches. I, 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 I can't remember who said it, but yeah, he had 90 stitches. I don't know about your eyelids, Dan, but I couldn't fit fucking 90 stitches in it. Well, no, I think it went up his face as well. I think it was like. Oh, right. I'm assuming it was kind of like cheek, <laughs> eyelid, head kind of thing. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> He has got like, like 90 stitches on your eyelid would just be one big stitch. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. We've, we've sewn his eyelid to his eyeball. Fuck. <laughs> he's, got, he's a permanent pirate. Are you, sure? Are you sure we need this many stitches, Doctor? Yes, of course we do. <laughs> Pass me that bottle of whiskey. It's, it's one of I mean, those ones where, watching the clip, I, I physically winced. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. like to think of myself as a particularly dramatic or over the top person. But no, me neither. Yeah, those those sorts of things where you, know, you laugh out loud when you're reading it on your own or whatever. Yeah, watching that is fuck that. That that's there are some things that I can I just cannot handle when it comes to stuff like that. And I'm as you well know, I'm a rather a dark soul and take pleasure in reading about 
serial killers and murder and things like that. I can look at pictures of that all day. I've seen pictures of some of um, Jeffrey Dahmer's victims. He was a cannibal, by the way. Make of that what you will. And I was like, eh, whatever. But this, I went, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Put my hands in my mouth. Fucking hell. Terrible. This kind of led me on to just thinking about this is um, Paul Campbell. Again, big, big Paul show this week. But he was kind of making out that he's an advocate for full cages. What do you think? Are you an advocate for full cages? I think so. Yeah, I think I'd say I'm probably I'm probably full cage. Like from from my own amateur playing, I always wear a full cage, and I think anyone who doesn't wear a full cage when you're playing amateur or anything but pro is is a fucking idiot. Like if you have to go to if you have to go to work on a Monday morning, if your healthcare or dental bills aren't comped by your company because you're a professional hockey player and you're not wearing a full cage, you're you're an idiot. You think you think you're Jack the Biscuit, but you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is funny that like players players wear no teeth and giant scars in their face like badges of honor don't they yeah i think I mean, to be I fair men do don't they that's, that's just men yeah yeah absolutely if you've got a scar you're really cool whereas yeah really scars are just stupid yeah i'd, I'd never really thought about it but i think i am i'm pro cage what do you think about the amount of high sticks these players take and oh i remember one of the one of the first athletic articles i read was about a a team dentist who was yes I yes I've told this story before but a player took a high stick mashed up all their teeth they were taking out the fragments of teeth and they said there was something in there that they didn't recognize it was like quite dark they were scraping and scraping away at it they realized it was a massive bit of stick blade just lodged into their gum it's like oh god mate, whether, you, whether you're you know, an amateur who has to go back into the office Monday morning or if you're earning $12.5 million a season, like, there's no point in having that. I don't no, strictly believe in the visibility advantages <clears throat> that you get over, say, not wearing a visor at all versus wearing, like, one of those bubble cages or even just, like, a metal cage. I don't think because, it's... Will, as, as I said with the handshake line and things like that, if all the players wear cages, how are you meant to know who the real men are? You know, I thought you were going to say we could stop spreading coronavirus. Oh no! <laughs> to be fair, good point. If you have a full cage on and you sneeze, at least it's more protected. <laughs> Imagine sneezing in like a like a bubble, one of those bubble ones, and it just smears up. I can't see. <laughs> Crashing into the boards. <laughs> While coronavirus oh, slowly erodes his skin, coronavirus strikes again. Get there well, we go. Get well soon, Johnny Boy Chuck. All right. Last thing: man versus eight-year-old. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Bad week, mate. You, 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 lost, you lost a point. She's, uh, she's up nine. So pretty much now or never, unfortunately. <laughs> we're getting to the dog days of the season. But no, we're, we're getting to squeaky bum time of the season is what we're getting to. We're, we're nearly at the end. <laughs> I, th- I thought sneaky bum time, like you had to... Sneaky bum time? Squeaky bum time. Sque- you had to be relatively close. Like if it's if you're, if you're 5-0 down, it's the 85th minute. That's not squeaky bum time. That's fucking hell, we've lost time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah, I'll give you that. You, you make a fair point. You make a fair point. I, I try to. With that said, though, Sabres Penguins. <laughs> penguins don't... Don't try this. I'm not. I'm not having it. All right. Jets. Golden Knights. Golden. Golden Knights. Bruins. Lightning. <laughs> Bruins. Oh, fucking great. You've cursed me. Thanks. No Blackhawks. Blues. Blackhawks. Blues. Yeah. Blues. Okay. And Canucks. Blue Jackets. I'm gonna go Blue Jackets. Because Markstrom's out for a while, isn't he? 
Yeah, Demko's having a bit of a mare at the moment. He's not, he's not doing as well as he could be. That's right, they've no, got Louis Domingue to sort him out. That is true. Former <laughs> former streaking goalie with 10 wins in a row, once upon a time. It's, it's funny how playing yeah. for the Lightning makes a bit of a difference. It's <laughs> very true. All right, there we go. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. There we are. Will, any last words? Nah, just w- wash your hands, people. Come on. Let's not, let's not be done without it. Yeah, don't be a scrub, everybody. And moisturise. Oh. Because you don't want to end up with split up hands. Yeah, you don't need to be some like some kind of Alaskan fisherman, do you? That's just gross. Oh, horrible. Horrible. There we go. All right, take care, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Peace.